All right, everybody, welcome. New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. Here again, Eric Dim. We're doing our 265 Police Live series. We are the experts. Uh, I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. For the new year, we're going to do a one-year look back on the 110th mayor of New York City, Eric Leroy Adams. So I think the first thing that comes into play, and I'm sure we, Eric's traveling around the world right now. I'm all over the place, too. Um, and I think everyone that asks, what do I think about the mayor? They first bring up, well, oh, well, he was a cop. He was a cop. He worked for the NYPD. So before we go into his his year record, his year record as a mayor, and we grade that, we, I just want to talk his police career a little bit. Uh, you cool with that, Eric? He was uh, His service years are 1984 to 2006. Okay, so he saw a lot of different eras in the police department. Outstanding. So that's 22 years of service, or lack thereof. Lack thereof. He retires retires at the rank of captain. Um, He retires at the rank of captain in 2006. Um, He... Hold on, let me get on his on his policing career. Uh, so Adams served New York City Transit Police and in the city in the police department for 22 years. He's has described his wanting to serve as a reaction to the abuse he suffered by the NYPD in his youth, and separately stated that he was encouraged to join to lead reform from within. He attended the police academy in 1984. So just to go through that statement right there, um, I mean, he kind of said, I don't know, are you familiar? Did you ever hear him speak about that, that Eric? About oh, I mean, I, I, I don't think he ever clearly really gave a granular like picture of what happened that day and what actually had happened to him other than he just said that, you know, he just said that he was he was a victim of abuse and he was struck by white cops in his youth. But he never really went into what happened, why he was stopped. I think he said mistaken identity or something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, but right then and there, I mean, that's I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a negative light on the police department. He, you know, he was encouraged to lead reform from within. So obviously he's joining saying the police department's in disarray. There's something wrong in the police department. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that, Eric? Uh, I don't believe everything that Wikipedia says, but if you if, if you were able to pull it up, actually, it does say it in Wikipedia. That I think he had stolen something and gotten caught for stealing something. Obviously, he was a kid. He's a juvenile. Um, and then he, he says uh, he did face some type of abuse. But even there, it never gives any details or any specifics of what kind of abuse he faced. I mean, was he assaulted? Was he verbally harassed? He, he never gives any indication. And you think something like that, I mean, something so drastic that co- caused you to take on a career in the police department and have change within because of your experience, I, I think it would be more in detail. And, but he specifically says it was at the hands of white cops. I'm very skeptical. I'm not saying it's, it's not impossible, right? It was a different time when he was a kid. But I am skeptical of, of, of the actual events. Because I think something like that should be in specific detail. I mean, that's something that people should know. Hey, listen, these are the atrocities that I faced as a young kid, and that's what led to the uh, the changes that I wanted and the racism that I saw and compare it to now. 
but we never really get to that point. We never get to those specifics. Um, honestly, I'm very skeptical. Of it, okay, I, I, I sad to say, and I'm not here to always knock Mayor Adams, but we have to speak the truth. So, do you actually have Wikipedia in front? Are you able to pull it up? I just pull Wikipedia up right now. Um, I just pull Wikipedia up right now, and um, I mean, I think that uh, I, I and that's my whole point. Like, I, I, Wikipedia doesn't have it in there. They have another incident in '86 where he was working plain clothes, and he states that white officers mistook, mistaken him for a suspect, and they pulled their guns on him. Yes, I know working. that. I remember seeing that. I know that that's in there, but I, I do know that there is something in there that talks about when he was arrested as a youth. It talks about when he, I think he was 13, when he was part of the Seven Crowns and running around with them. And then he gets, I think he got arrested for stealing, something yeah, like that. They must have pulled it out. I mean, they, they're always changing stuff in here. So I'm sure when he made mayor, they had to uh, delete some stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's not in here right now. But, but I mean, my point is I've never, like, I could tell you my two arrests in detail. And and I could tell you about my two arrests in detail. He is never given that that type of detail. And my other thing is he openly admits that he was a member of the Seven Crowns, right? That he was associated with the Seven Crowns. So he's running around with a gang that becomes the Supreme Team in New York City. Kenneth McGriff Supreme, dealing heroin, dealing drugs, shooting people, killing people, stabbing people, assaulting, robberies. Um, I mean, so... At that time in your youth, you know, I, I think, like, to his point and, I, like, what I'm going to – my whole thing with him is he's a politician. He's full he's full of shit. Um, and I'm not saying that that incident didn't happen, but I'm saying the way he paints that picture, I don't believe that he was a schoolboy going to church on Sunday and the police just beat him up for no reason. I believe there was some stuff that he needs to take accountability for, and that's the real reason – we don't know that we don't know the details of it because if anyone really knows the intricacies of it, nobody would feel bad for him. Basically, what I'm saying, um, and and I'm not saying that in 1984 uh, that the police are the way they are today. I don't. I I mean, I don't know. I do. I you know, and like I said, and I think we both said this: the police were much rougher. They were much rougher verbally, physically, everything. It was a totally different police department. The city of New York was different. Everybody was different. Um, so you know, John, that's a great point that you brought up. This every time that you talk about your arrest, you always give specific details, and they don't change because there's only one way to tell the truth, and there's a thousand ways to tell a lie. And that's the one thing I've been waiting for, Mayor Eric Adams, is to give specific details. How was he assaulted? Was he put in a room? And ha- did he have a plunger? God forbid. Plunge up, you know, like like the Abner Louisman case we had. I mean, did was he punch in the face? Were they smacking him around? Was it, you know, w- were they just ridiculing him? I, I'm curious on the actual details on it. Something like that that would, you know, that would never leave your mind. You would remember the specific details vividly. And just to have a broad picture is what he usually gives. That's where I'm skeptical. And I, I feel like sometimes you probably feel the same way when it comes to your kids, and when they do something wrong and they tell you a story. They seem to always forget their part in it, but they'll remember everything else. They'll tell you everything that happened, right? If they got to a fight with some kid in school, they'll tell you everything that happened, but they won't tell you what they did. So I kind of feel like the same thing here. He'll tell us the, they'll tell us the picture that he was assaulted or attacked, but we never hear what was his part in it. 
Listen, I'm not saying, listen, he's a 13-year-old kid or 14-year-old kid. If he was shot off the mouth and he was cursing, giving lip, I'm not saying he should be attacked. But was there something in there that provoked this? Was there more to this? Because the picture that he paints is that these cops were just racist. They just hated blacks. And just because he was a young black kid, that's why they attacked him. I'm not saying that they didn't attack. It's very possible. And we're not saying that. But were you shooting off the mouth? Did you provoke it? And then you're now saying that you were attacked because you were black, but maybe that you know you were instigating it. They, I'm not saying they did attack him. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you probably agree, but I think the point that he's trying to make is it was a black and white thing. I I, I, I find it hard to believe. I, I, and, and you know what? And I understand it was a different time, but you and I came on the job, right, in 2000, January 2004. We still had guys on the job from early 80s, late 80s, and especially the 90s. And I I, I, I didn't encounter any racism. I, I don't know if you did, you can tell me, but I never counted anyone that was racist that was out there beating anybody up just because of their race. I mean, look, Justin Volpe did that. He was an animal. And look, he's serving time in jail. No one, no one's accepting this. At least I'm not. I know you're not. We all police our own. We would not accept it. I just find it hard to believe. I, I really do. I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist, but I haven't seen it to this magnitude. And, and we had those guys on the job. What, what, what do you think? Do you agree with me? No, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, you know, I think that New York City was much more ethnic. Um, I don't know if it was as diverse as far as the ethnic neighborhoods where they encompassed like you had your Italian neighborhoods, you had your you had your Chinese neighborhoods, you had your Polish neighborhoods, you had your Norwegian neighborhood, your black neighborhood, your Spanish neighborhood, your Mexican neighborhood, your Dominican neighborhood, your Puerto Rican neighborhood, right? Like it was like that, but I won't sit there and, and pretend like that it was this big racist uh city. New York City. I mean, it was a, such a diverse city. I mean, I, I went to school with everybody. I grew up with everybody. I learned every culture in that city. I mean, I was born in 1980. Um, I, you know, I've I witnessed race riots firsthand. You know, I've witnessed Al Sharpton protest across the street from my apartment building every Sunday for months. I've seen how the racist narrative got painted, um, and I've seen how skin color was used for politics and incidents were used to propagate people up on a stage and make themselves look like there's somebody that not um what one of my one of my uh big problems here with eric adams though in his policing career is um we're working on an episode now and it's about to book the circle of six and uh eric i didn't even tell you but um, we're gonna schedule Randy Jurgensen. he's the author um probably next week we're gonna we're gonna have that interview um, early in the week. Um, so he's the author of that book. And in that book, it highlights the murder of Philip Cardillo, police officer Philip Cardillo. And he is murdered by the Nation of Islam. And Louis Farrakhan plays an intricate part in impeding into that investigation and possibly even into the murder due to the stuff that I'm reading in that book. And Adams, in the 90s, while he was a cop, worked with the Nation of Islam. And, you know, in Wikipedia, they say because they will work, they will work in patrolling and crime-ridden housing projects. And Adams met with their leader, Louis Farrakhan. Now, I'm going to – and he even appeared on stage with him at an event. Now, again, I'm going to say 
you know, Farrakhan's a guy, he's made anti-Semitic remarks, you know, he's made a lot of anti-Jew remarks, uh, yeah. anti-white yes. remarks, anti-police remarks, um, very, he's not a guy that I would say that I would be proud to say that he mentored me or somebody that I would look up to or in any way. Um, to me, he's an Al Sharpton and he might even be more volatile than Al Sharpton. Um, well, and- absolutely. I mean, he has a history. He has a history of, of anyone that encompasses around him has a history of violence. I mean, you go back and you look at this. Just that book alone. When you, yeah, did you finish the book yet? Did you finish it? I'm almost done with it. Yeah, I'm almost done with it. First of all, that book is one of the most amazing books I've ever read. And don't forget, I, I remember I was telling you, I was laying down on my bed and I decided I had gotten the book. I said, you know what? I'm just going to read it for about a half hour. I was tired. And I'm going to sleep and I'll finish it up during the week. It was so good. I could not put the book down. That is by far one of the best books I've ever read. And I, and I know you and I talked about this. I think, honestly, my message out there, every cop that's out there right now, you have to read this book. I think it should be mandatory. It should be mandatory to graduate from the police department. You should have to read the book. The politics of this book is shocking. It's amazing. And what's scary to me is that I think a lot of the politics that's going on in that book mirrors kind of what's going on right now. And you can see what where we're at right now has the potential to, to take that course. It's really scary. It's an amazing book. And really, my, uh, my, you know, I have much respect for Randy. That book is amazing. The stuff that he goes through, the tribulations that he goes through in that book, it's really impressive. And then he took it upon himself to have that investigation. But the politics of that is just shocking. It really is scary. Scary. It's, it's definitely a must-read for every cop out there. And even just everybody in New York City should read that book, honestly. That should be required reading. Um but one one of the things here is like it it says Adams suggested now now mind you Eric Adams is a cop at this time he, <laughs> he suggested to Mayor David Dinkins that he meet with Louis Farrakhan and he hire the Nation of Islam security company to patrol housing projects. I mean, so I'm just gonna put that in perspective for everybody, right? <laughs> I grew What's up. Bro- right now? What is it? <laughs> What does that remind you of right now? Is that what you're about to say? Well, it totally reminds me of the fact that, you know, his his uh, his consigliere, the Deputy Commissioner of Public Safety, Philip Banks, has started a company. He founded a company, a security company. He founded it. And, you know, at the same time he founded it, his security company, unarmed security, the same time he founded it, there's all of these police chiefs running all over the country telling all these major cities to keep shootings down and crime down. You need to hire unarmed security guards, right? I don't know any ties to that, but but Phil Banks finds this security company. He writes it on his application as deputy mayor of public safety that he founded it and he still works there actively. And then it comes out that that same security company wins the MTA contract for New York City. So New York City is giving millions of dollars to this company, um, which is a direct conflict of interest. The Post picks it up. They write an article about it. And he basically says, oh, thank you for reminding me to fix my resume. It was a typo. And that's it. There's no investigation done into it. There's no look back into it. But the company that has the MTA contract currently um, was founded by Phil Banks. 
Um, and we saw the other day that the security guards, they were not trained in de-escalation. I don't believe that they're vaccinated either. So I, I, you know, I don't believe there's a vaccine requirement for them. So they beat the shit out of somebody, three of them on the platform. They beat the shit out of someone who hopped the turnstile. All three of them got arrested. Um, so I don't think the training's too good. So, you know, and even, even if he's not involved with the company anymore, which he says he's not, we'll take his word for it. I, no way I could figure it out. You know, if I was in the media or if I was somebody in DOI or if I was somebody on the conflict of interest board, Maybe I would look into that and I would say, hey, this doesn't sound too right. That this sounds like a, a big conflict of interest here. Um, that that somebody that started this company that's directly tied to the mayor, whose brother's the school chancellor, company won the contract for the MTA, won millions of dollars. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But what I was saying is is that is that Eric Adams making this suggestion to the mayor at the time that's like me growing up i grew up in bensonhurst i grew up around all wise guys that's like me let's take a guy like joe colombo a real he was the anti-italian defamation league right starts the anti-italian defamation league and joe and you know everything joe said he's not a gangster he's just a businessman and he's just a businessman he's not involved in any of this stuff and it's just it's just all discrimination against italians so that's me going up on stage with him at speaking events as a cop contacting the mayor at the time and saying hey you should hire joe's security company because we're having problems in the italian neighborhoods and joe I, I, I don't know about you, Derek. What, what do you think would happen to me as a cop if I did that? Uh, you, you'd probably be sitting at your South Greco right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry. Listen, Sal, if you're watching, brother, we're not picking on you. We got your back 100%. It's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but I, I have to put you in this spot. And, uh, John, you would be sitting with Sal. It's unfortunate, but it's reality, man. Yeah. And then, so so he does that. You know, he gets criticized for that. Then in 95, he serves as an escort for Mike Tyson when Tyson's released from jail after his rape allegations. Now, listen, I like Mike Tyson. You know, I love, I, I, love yeah. And I think people could change. And I'm not saying that I think people could change. But again, it just goes back. Sal Greco got fired. For not even doing this. He wasn't even working. He wasn't working with anyone. He was just friends uh, uh, with Roger Stone. He was doing uncompensated security. <laughs> which is not, which is, you know, serving as an escort is, is, is compensated security, you know, and he made it through his whole career, you know. Um, and then he, uh, same year when Rudy Giuliani gets elected, Broken windows theory, stop question frisk, heavy hand of the police. He co-founds a hundred blacks in law enforcement who care, an advocacy group, an advocacy group for black officers that sought criminal justice reform and spoke out against police brutality and racial profiling. And it also, the group also held tutorials that taught black youth how to deal with the police if they are detained, while including putting their dome light on, putting their hands on the wheel, and de-escalating the situation. However, activists, including Sharpton, criticized Adams' effort, claiming that he was merely teaching young black people how to live under impression. Um, I have a problem with this because 
I know guys that worked with him around this time and that were around at the founding of this. And they told me, like, I, I actually like that statement right there, that if, if you're, like, trying to de-escalate, hey, listen, this is what the cops are going to do. Turn, you know, shut your engine off, put your lights on, let them see your hands. They're nervous. I like all that. I think that should be going on right now. And I think that's a lot of problems why we're having a lot of physical interactions over minor incidents with the police in in minority neighborhoods because people black leaders aren't telling aren't telling people that they're telling them the exact opposite which i heard that this group did spread a lot of misinformation to and caused a lot of friction um and you know i don't i can't say that they did or they didn't but based on on people that I know I worked for some people currently in the department serving in pretty high ranks under him still have said that this is what this, this group has done. Um, what, have you heard anything about Eric Adams police career? Yeah. All I've heard, actually all I've heard before he was mayor and back when he was, when he was working this, uh, as a Senator. And I even remember one time at Brooklyn college, I was there um, he had given a speech, and uh, at the time, uh, I, I was at Brooklyn College. I, I forgot what it was, some type of event, but he had given a speech there. And I remember people that I knew talking about it, and particularly cops and rank and file that I know. And I'm not going to give up their names, but people that I know throughout my career who have bashed him and said he was absolutely a complete zero are now, you know, standing up and, and, and kissing his ass. It's unfortunate, but well, I've never heard anybody say that he was a good cop, and I think that it's really it's uh it's inappropriate and, and it's just totally wrong to use the word cop. I mean, I talk about this all the time. There's a big difference when you, you start off the job. You're a police officer. It's an honor to work your way up to becoming a cop. So, what I, 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 I absolutely he is definitely not a cop. A cop is someone that has observational skills a trained eye that engages the community, engages persons of interest, potential perpetrators, and makes arrests. People don't understand that. It does, you know, unfortunately, what our, we're teaching our young right now, and this is starting with the Blasio era, and it's, it's actually happened nationwide. Sometimes you ask people, hey, what's a good cop? And, and people have this image that a good cop is someone that gives coffee to people, gives out ice cream, plays basketball kids. Yes, that's nice. It's a nice gesture. That doesn't make you a good cop. Good cops make arrest. Arrest is what curbs crime. Intrusive police work. I always say this. Intrusive police work. Engaging people. When you make arrests, you're bringing that person of interest to court so that they can face a crime and potential prosecution so that they don't do it. They don't do it again themselves. And then also that it affects the community that other potential perpetrators say, wow, if I... If I do A, B, C, and D, which is the whole broken windows theory, I'll be in the same situation. So I don't think Eric Adams was a cop at all. From what I've, what I've seen and what I've heard, the information that I know, he's a complete zero. And, and, and you you have to make arrests as a cop. You have to engage people. What I would say even more makes people good cops is writing summonses. There's an art to engaging people. And, and you remember, when you and I started, we were in the impact era, which means you walk the beat. For, for my people out there that are not cops, you walk a beat. That means you walk a footpost. And you would you had to write, yes, there was a, there was a quota, but, you know, a personal growth. Or, it was a way to to, to uh, affect crime. They would say, listen, 
Your goal was to write 25 summaries a month. What does that mean? That means you have to engage 50 to 100 people a month to write those 25 summaries. There's an art to engage people using those observation skills, that trained eye to have that potential perpetrator stop someone, write them a summons, and then let them go and keep them on their way. That's an art. That's what a cop does. And, and I don't think Mayor Adams has those skills. But I do want to go back to one thing that you said, John, and I love that you said this. I think you said it on Twitter. And, and, and I agree with you because my father had the same conversation with me. It's not about race. My father told me, and it wasn't just about cops. When you're dealing with authority, you show respect. Don't talk back. It doesn't. Well, if it's a cop, if it's a teacher, if you're if you're just dealing with elders. I remember if I was young, if we were outside, if we were allowed, and, and there was an older person out their window saying, "Listen, keep it down. I got work in the morning." We didn't shout back at them. We shut the hell up. We respected. We had respect for authority. So I remember my father, just like you said, it didn't. You weren't black, but your your father told you, "Shut up." Have respect. Put your hands on the wheel. I had the same conversation. My father told me, if you engage the police, show respect. Keep your mouth shut. Respect authority. Don't put these guys in a position that they're going to be nervous. It has nothing to do with race. They're nervous whether you're white, black, Hispanic. You and I don't. We were cops. We don't know what's in someone's pockets. We don't know what they're capable of. So Mayor Adams completely was not a cop, in my opinion. And he, and he still is not. But he, he uses that term. Very loosely, and I think I don't know how he looks himself in the mirror. I think you put out another tweet that was pretty impressive. That when someone lies constantly, eventually they're not going to respect themselves. So I wonder if he's at that point also because he's lying to himself and lying to the public when he says that he's a cop. Absolutely not, complete farce. Yeah. So he, I mean, and and that's just and that's just really what I kind of what I wanted to highlight is like that's what he ran on. That he was a cop. He ran on, you know, New York City was declining under Bill de Blasio as far as the quality of life and the crime. The crime rate spiked right after COVID. Bill de Blasio went, not even after it, right as soon as it hit, Bill de Blasio used that as an excuse to go full communist. Show his communist colors. I don't know if anybody remembers when the restaurants were shut down and everybody was like, oh, the restaurants are open everywhere else. I could drive to Jersey. I could drive to Long Island. Like, why aren't we opening restaurants? And he's like, I made a pledge to transform this city. And eating out is a habit of the rich. And nobody like went nuts on that. And I was like, this is the, this is the communist manifesto being played out, you know? Um, so, I mean, I mean, the bar was so low. It was so low. Like, it was, you know, so he runs against Curtis Lewa. Uh, he runs against my favorite, Bill Pepitone, you know, who was an- another cop but got no love in the media. Um, you know, Bill ran on, you know, uh, a pro, like a pro public safety platform, a pro America platform. He was going to get rid of the mandates. Curtis did too, but Curtis was being backdoored as well. And let's and let's call it what it is. Curtis Lee was a Democrat. He's not a Republican. Um, you know, he's not a he was never really a conservative guy. But Curtis Lee, lifelong New Yorker, you know, one one of the main players in the in the uh, in the Guardian Angel, in the Guardian Angels, and he's been on New York City streets since I since I could remember. So whether I agreed with everything he did or not, I respect Curtis Lewa. You know what I mean? He's a real New Yorker through and through. The guy rides the subways. You want to ask what's going on in the subway? The guy takes the subway every day. He doesn't hide. He wears his beret. He walks New York City streets. He's not afraid. So I respect Curtis Lewa. So he ran against Sliwa. 
uh, and Bill Pepitone. Sliwa got the Republican nomination. Pepitone got the conservative nomination. Uh, Adams got the Democratic nomination. And he ran that, you know, he ran basically that he was a cop and he was going to bring back New York City. Um, But he had no plan. And again, like Eric just said, and I'm just going to say the same thing. I put it out there. He's got he has 11 arrests. He has 11 a career arrests. So like I said, I he was employed by the NYPD. He wore a uniform by the NYPD. He was a police officer. I don't believe he was ever a cop. I don't even I don't believe he understands the strategies that we used. He was running for office and and from what I just read out on his Wikipedia page and from everything he even vocalized, my opinion is he was running for office before he ever got in the academy. I actually think think this extremely intelligent response. You're 100% right. I think that this was always his plan. And that the police department was the nexus and the connection to his political career. I think he's immediately, as soon as he got in the academy, he already took a political stance, right? And and, and within a short time, within a short time, he created 100 blacks in law enforcement. Within a short time, he was... was, uh, very outspoken about the atrocities in the police department, about the divisiveness, racism, which which I'm very skeptical because I didn't see these things. And like I said, when I got on the job January 2004, we had a lot of these cops. A lot of the personnel were still on the job. They were inspectors. They were chiefs. They were lieutenants. They, they, they were guys on the job for a long time, from the late 80s, especially the 90s. These were guys who were still on the job. They were the guys that were teaching us. So you think if this was a racist department that it would trickle down, it would trickle down to us, you know, when we started the job. But but I didn't see this. I, you know, I'm also skeptical of that story that uh, that he talks about off duty. That doesn't have many details either. That should have a lot of details. What type of investigation was done on that? You would think if 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 he was uh, what exactly happened? I think he was he said he was shot at or something like that. He said that two well, white well, officers pulled a gun on him, and they they were mistaken. Well, right. It was a mistaken identity. I mean, I, I again, I think we, this sounds like it's very superficial. There's not many details on this. I mean, this is something we would really have the details. If someone pointed a gun at me, particularly if you're a cop, you would know the scars on their face, the little if their lip goes up, you would know everything about them. This is details you would not miss. This is obviously facial skills of a cop. Particularly if someone pulls a firearm on you, we're all going to be scared. That's that's the moment they're going to remember everything. There should be an extreme amount of detail on this. And we never heard. What was the outcome? Was there an investigation? Did they actually apprehend those officers? Did we find out who they were? Were they put to justice? I mean, that could have been I, – I, I, I'm skeptical to think that this could have been part of his ploy for his, uh, his political career. I mean, I listen, you grew up in New York City streets, right? I saw someone shot dead at eight years old. I've been around all of these incidents. I've been to bars where there's brawls. I've been to bars where there's stabbings, there's shootings, there's this, there's that. I remember one night we were leaving Forest Avenue. I was I, I was like, I, sh- I definitely wasn't of drinking age, but I was out drinking that night. And we had just left a bar. And I get in, I get in my friend's car. And as I get in, unmarked cars roll up on both sides of us from one end and true story we all we put our hands up they're like put your fucking hands up they have guns out fucking guy has a shotgun one of the guys comes out with a shotgun comes in the back window with a shotgun he looks around he's like nah this ain't them and they leave now 
There were black guys there. There were Spanish guys there. And there were white guys there. That, I, I didn't make the reference that they stopped me because I'm Italian or because I'm white. I'm like, oh, shit. What do I know? Something just fucking happened. These guys didn't just roll up on me with their guns out for no reason. So, I mean, I'm not saying that did, did, that didn't happen to him. I'm just saying why he's saying it happened to him. Oh, oh, because I'm black and they're white. Maybe they had a call. You fit the fucking description. Like, you didn't get into any of that stuff. You know what I mean? And, and like, that's my thing. I, I wouldn't have even look at that situation because I already knew what happened. There was a call kids with guns or somebody got shot at or somebody had it something happened right then and there we were on we were just leaving an avenue coming down a side street where there's all bars something had to have just happened cops don't just roll up on you with their guns out so i mean and and to to sit there and say like oh they they did that because i'm black i mean that's a huge stretch there right then and well they did it because i'm italian what like why they do that what they did saw three to three italian kids they wanted to pull guns on me I, I I don't you know so the whole thing to me is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement, especially being a kid. Like he grew up in Brooklyn and Queens, and and like he's been around a lot of bad stuff. Obviously, he was a gang member. I mean, come on, cops have pr- probably pulled the guns on him way more than just that time. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Um, well, that's that's another thing that I, I you know it's a, it's another paradox that I find this. And here's the irony, right? He says that the New York City Police Department was racist with him, right? And that he wanted to be the person, to, the catalyst for change. So here he is, right? He was a young kid. He was part of the Seven Crowns. He claims to be a gay member. That he was, and what I heard, he was uh, his claims were that he was pretty much like an errand boy for them, running around, maybe picking up, picking up money for them, or do, uh, maybe doing some petty theft. Uh, th- that's that's the part that I heard about. I've, I've heard him talk about it and stuff that I've read. I don't know if it's actually in there with Wikipedia still. I got to check, but I remember that kind of stuff was in there. So here, you were given a second chance. Second chance. Here you are. You were a young black kid involved in a gang, and you were given the opportunity to become a New York City police officer. So just right there and then, I think kind of just eliminates a lot of the racist propaganda that he's been he's been administering to the public. Because right there, he was given a second chance. He was arrested. Admitting that he was part of a gang and he was allowed to become a New York City police officer as a young black man. So right there then, can't we say that we're eliminating some of the racist aspects that he speaks of? Just just with that, just your initial entry into the police department, you were given that opportunity. Because in many cases, I've heard before, and there was a case, I, I, I have to find it. If you remember, I think it was... In the mid two uh, mid two thousands, there was a kid. I think it was uh, a Hispanic kid. He had served in Iraq. He was in the army. He had he came back. I think he had gotten the uh, silver star. He had gotten some exceptional medals. And prior to that, when he was young, he had a firearm arrest. And at the time, I, I don't know if you remember. I got to get the kid's name and pull it up. But he was not allowed to become a New York City police officer. Why he was denied? Apparently, it was because of the firearm. Things obviously have changed now, but Eric Adams was a young black kid who was given a second chance. Where is the racism that he speaks of? And and what change did he bring to the New York City Police Department? I mean, he didn't even go into the community and police it. You know what I mean? So right then and there, I have a problem with it. And you're not even identifying what problems are there. And even if you identify the problem, 
I don't want you to just point out what's wrong. I want you to point out what's wrong and then tell us how to fix it. Right? But he does he never does that, right? He never never does that. He wins in a landslide, the mayor, right? He becomes a, he goes he becomes a state senator. He serves as a state senator for a while, then he goes Brooklyn borough president, then he runs for mayor. He run, wins in an overwhelming landslide. Tucker Carlson did a piece about him that he, this guy could be the savior of New York. You know, and I'm like I don't I don't know what what we're watching here because he hasn't outlined a crime plan to me. His his whole platform was he was going to be tough on crime. He was going to restore New York to the yesteryear and he was going to be tough on crime and he was going to undo the harms that Bill de Blasio brought us on. And he didn't say that because him and Bill de Blasio, in my opinion, are one and the same. And right now I say this is de Blasio's third term. It's actually worse. This is the Blasio when he decided he was a communist after after COVID. This is how I this is how I I, I picture it. You know, I'm like to me, it, it's the biggest hypocrisy him sitting up there. So he runs. You know, he doesn't get any endorsements from the the police unions, which I I find laughable. You know what I mean? He doesn't get any endorsements. That should tell you something right there. And 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 I will give kudos to them for not giving him an endorsement because. Because he doesn't label out what he's going to do. He just says, I'm going to be tough on crime. Like, do you think that's acceptable for a police officer to run, a former police officer, run for mayor, and you're not even illustrating a crime plan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and, and that's the problem. I I was hoping that the public would see through the bullshit that, wait a minute. You're a police officer? No, you actually claim to be a cop. So what's your expertise? What's your observation skills? What is actually your crime plan? Are you going to have your cops out there doing intrusive police work? Are you guys doing major case plans? What exactly is your tactical plan? There was no plan. All that I heard, because it sounds great, it's a nice ring, uh, it's a nice tone, and it, you know, it, you, it, it's magical words. All I heard was, we're going to damn these rivers. We're going to stop, stop the pipeline of firearms. And you know what? It sounds great. It sounds great. But what I can tell you, it, it tell you is this. The illegal firearms, they're already here. You're not going to stop that pipeline of the illegal firearms getting to these hands. We need to stop them more actually in the city. Okay? Yes, it's great to have these coalitions and get involved in other police departments and figure out how to stop the pipeline. But there's just too many guns that are in. Um, there's probably more guns in New York City than there is people. So... We need a truce of police work to actually get the guns out of the hands of the persons of interest, these perpetrators that intend to actually use them for harm. But we're not doing a truce of police work. We're not. This ideology with this neighborhood safety teams and presence on, on, on the transit systems is not the intrusive police work that, that is effective in New York City. What's effective is when you and I got on the job, when we were doing impact and we constantly engage people. Constantly engage people, 25, 50, 100 people who have to constantly engage people. It has to be something that's the norm. The societal norm for the city and New York City, the ideology has to be that, hey, listen, if I am doing something wrong, even if it's mini school, drinking a beer in public, I'm smoking weed, that's off the table right now, it's Marilyn's that I'm going to have an interaction with the police department. Someone has to have the mindset that, hey, if I'm walking, down the block, two, three blocks, and I have something in my pocket, I got drugs, I got a knife for a legal firearm, that I'm not going to make it because someone is going to stop me. 
I'm going to have an interaction with the police. That's why I think impact was effective because the perpetrator had the mindset that I don't think I could actually make it to, from point A to point B because I'm going to have an interaction with the police. Now what we're seeing is that the person of interest, and particularly towards the end of my career, we weren't getting actual perpetrators with a violent past that were in possession of firearms. We were getting people that had no history because they were confident that no one was going to stop them. And they were under the pressure that the police department doesn't do intrusive police work anymore. That's where we need to go back to. Intrusive police work, I say it all the time, intrusive police work, in my opinion, is what would save the city. The other problem is the body cameras. They're relying too much on these body cameras. We can't even do intrusive police work the way that it should be done because then the DAs, the district attorneys, don't believe the cops of exactly what went on. And the reality is that camera is not going to capture everything. And Mayor Adams did not come up with a plan on how he's going to support the cops so they could actually do it. What I've been waiting for him to say is how he's going to combat the Civilian Complaint Review Board so he can give the cops the, the power, the authority, and actually embolden them and empower them to do their job. There was no plan. All I heard was we're going to dam these rivers. And towards the beginning of his, his tenure as the mayor, when he had that summit at one police plaza where Biden was present, and other police departments, they were talking about how they go to dam these rivers with the pipeline of firearms. That's all they talk about. All they talk about is firearms. But it, why are we not talking about people die in New York City by the hands of others with knives, by the hands of others with cars, by the hands with their, with their fist? It's not just firearms. And that's why I think that he's really lacking a plan. We need to coordinate. You need to know exactly what's going on in these precincts, and we need to have intrusive police work. He should have brought back anti-crime. He should have he should have combated the diaphragm law. 100% that diaphragm law, he needs to get rid of it, and he has the power to do that. And he needs to diminish civilian complaint review board immediately. As a cop, especially you and I, knowing the damage that the civilian complaint review board does, we would immediately squash the civilian complaint review board and revamp it and modify it. And also the disciplinary matrix. There's just so many layers to peel back in. And he has zero plan. Zero. We're here one year later, and the stats are out of control. They're going to brag about the decrease in homicides and shootings. And I know, John, you and I are going to go into that. Very skeptical of that. But here we are in a, in a year later, and the streets don't look any better. If anything, in the transit system, which is a whole other world. We have a world that's above ground. We have a world that's below ground. And below ground, it's a scary sight. It's, uh, yeah, and j- just going back to his run, though, just going back, he doesn't, this is a guy, he supported bail reform. He supported ending stop question and frisk. He didn't support defund the police, which I'll applaud him on, but that was the easiest thing because defund the police was the stupidest thing because they're like, oh, we'll just, We'll just take the funding and put it into areas that work when they had never targeted. No one's ever showed me one area that works to bring crime down when you re- when you remove funding for the police. Show us show us what you're going to do with the money and maybe. And, and that's another thing, right? Like I, I, he never even labeled out the massive spending, where our money's going to go focused. Um, no intricate details. Or, oh, we're going to focus on the root causes that, that, that start violence. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's definitely let's work on stopping the pipeline. Let's work on root causes with children. Let's 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 get all of those things to, to stop that. 
But none of those, neither of those things, which is the only thing that he's going to do. Those are the only rivers that that's the only rivers that he's stemming. No, whatever the many streams of violence that flow into the and that flow into the river of violence. Right. Whatever he says, we have to damn the streams or whatever, Um, whatever that line is that he always says. Damn the rivers. (laughs) <laughs> dam, dam, that flow into yeah, damn the rivers that flow into the sea of violence. He has to damn the many rivers, right? But the only rivers he's ever talked about is stopping the root causes and stopping the pipeline, right? And then the other river he talks about is giving people shooters, giving shooters criminals, giving people that will go to jail, giving them an on-ramp to get back into society. Those are the only Maybe. things he's ever spoke on. He's never spoke on the DAs, not prosecuting. The DAs aren't prosecuting. So he support and, and then when they go to prosecute, they have this awful law called bail reform. They have this awful other law, discovery, while we're trying to get these people prosecuted that are letting other people out, the discovery laws are letting people out. Then we have the raise the age that are letting people out. All this crazy stuff, the Clean Slate Act, he supports all of it, right? The only thing he's ever said about bail reform is, oh, judges need discretion. And again, that was Ken Corey's line walking out the door. And it, I, I mean, we debunked that here. Yeah, do judges need discretion? Absolutely. But you do all of those things that I just said right now, all of those things that he said for those rivers, and not one of them will have an immediate impact in New York City. Not one of them. You know, so that's how he runs. He has no plan. He wins in a landslide because everybody's like, oh, he's a cop. It's going to be great. He's going to bring it down. He wins in a landslide. I mean, and, you know, you know, I I, I won't I don't, I'm not going to sit here and blame him for the death of Mora and, and Rivera. Like, I, I won't do that. But that happens pretty early on. And, and it happens right away in his first month. He swore in. Right. He swore in. It happens in his first month. Not his fault at all. But, I mean, crime was spiking at that time, like crazy. And he's stepping in like, oh, I'm just trying to figure this out. Dude, you just ran that you were a cop for fucking 22 years. You lived in the city your whole life, even though we all know that you you, you had a big house in Jersey and you showed us a little apartment that you lived in that had like a table and and a couch in there. But whatever, in Brooklyn. But whatever, you know, big house in Jersey, but whatever, he... You know, you, you're a lifelong New Yorker. You're a cop for 22 years. And, and what? You, we need you to do what? To acclimate to the police department or acclimate into a cr- crime plan. We, we're just running off Bill de Blasio. Like, what did you think about him initially, like, when he steps in his first month? My first thing I said was de Blasio 2.0. And, and the problem is this. I think that he was under the impression that, and he probably still believes, if he does it the same way as de Blasio, after COVID kind of dwindles down, Hope being a good place because, and looking back, and you, you and I, if we, if we have the time or the opportunity, maybe maybe another podcast we go into it. But for the first, I would say for about four five years, I have to go back and look. The, the, even though the Blasio tailored down and changed the whole police department and went to stable coordination, we still were doing good with the crime rates. And there's a lot of theories on that, and and there's a lot of factual and, and uh, I, I would say anecdotal. Uh, Opinions based on my experience, and we were doing crime, uh, doing well. And eventually, once the lay the, the lay started to peel back, it started to get out of control. So I think the the, the effects of the Giuliani into the Bloomberg era were holding on 
uh, and the police department was still transitioning. So for the first couple of years, de Blasio, even though as he was making the changes, was still able to keep crime down. And, and a lot of it was a mirage. And, and it was just a myriad of things. But once we started to uh, kill, you know, go with the bail reform, raise the age, and the, the diploma was really starting to get divided and completely changing to where now the neighborhood coordination officers were the meat of the department and the veteran officers were starting to retire and they weren't doing the intrusive police work anymore. That's where things really started to have an effect. And then this was before COVID. I, I really think that 2018 was like the pinnacle change. And then COVID was just, uh, you know, that was just a climatic point where you could just actually, it wasn't even any more perception where the public could actually see the change. And I think, I think Mayor Adams thought, well, I can run it the same way. But the problem is you can't, because you, you don't have the, the police department and the public used to Giuliani and the Bloomberg era. You don't have those cops anymore. And now you just have, you have this department that's made up of the naval coordination officers. They're not out there doing intrusive police work. Because immediately, once he got into office, he started tapping and knocking. And he wanted some form of intrusive police work. Immediately, he wanted some type of broken windows theory addressed. But it wasn't possible. Because it was almost like, hey, I go to work and I'm going to go build a house. And I know exactly what I have to do, but I'm not going with an actual hammer. I'm going to take a rubber hammer with me. So it doesn't work. You don't have the right tools to do this job right now. So the crime plan didn't work. There was no training. There was no transition to get these jobs in, to get these cops ready for that type of job. The cops that we have now, unfortunately, that came for this era, they're not ready for violence. Their tactics are just terrible. And this is the way they're being taught. And we could see it. it's unfortunate. And, you know, my heart goes out to the cop that just got slashed in his head. But it's unfortunate. And I've said this before. Look at, at what's happening. Cops are getting stabbed way too often. Why? There's no coincidence. There's no more tactics. There's no more personal space. There's no more cops being prepared and ready for violence. You and I talk about it. John, you're, you're always an advocate. You talk about the interview stance. There's no more of that personal space. I mean, you and I were just talking about this before we recorded this podcast. You and I were talking about how city council was praising the cop during the protest that had a girl. Her nose was basically in his, in his nose, screaming at him. And they were talking about restraint. No, we should not be praising that cop for restraint. We should say that was a complete idiotic move that you let someone get in your personal space like that. It doesn't matter if it's a man or it's a woman. She has the ability. She can stab you. And that's what's happening right now. Mayor Adams, has he doesn't have the right tools to do the job. And there's no plan to transition these cops to the type of cops that the Bloomberg era expected. And also Giuliani. And, and I think, I think that's, that's the problem. I think it's de Blasio 2.0. I mean, it, it total, the de Blasio, you know, and the whole thing with de Blasio was, was like, oh, crime was still going down on de Blasio. I mean, it was, it was a total facade because we still had omnipresence at the time. But when he pulls back, stop question frisk, right? We, we, we're done with stop question frisk, right? We're not, no one's doing 250s anymore. The stops are down. Crime isn't – crime's actually still going down. Why? Because we're not doing the stops, but we transitioned. And I was one of the first ones that did it. I transitioned to we're only stopping for minor crimes. You're going to observe a crime. And we're going to investigate based off of that crime. If we have to bring someone to the house, we're going to search incident to a lawful arrest. We're going to do all that. So I think a lot of the anti-crime teams at that time transitioned to that model, right? So the arrest never went down 
and the summonses never went down, even though even though we stepped away from the stop, question, and frisk. So then what does he do? Oh, aggressive panhandling. Let's let's make that legal. And I'm like, well, what, well, what do I do now when my wife goes, when your wife goes, or anybody's wife, or your grandmother, or your mother, they go to the ATM, and they want to take money out, and someone's standing right there. Yo, give me a dollar. Yo, give me a dollar. Give me a dollar. I can't even chase him. I can't even chase him. Loitering. Sitting in front of the ATM. Can't chase you. Nothing I can do about it. I know it's not right. I know it's not right that this dude's standing there for 10 minutes, but I can't legally tell him to take a walk now. So I lo- you lose that. You lose the loitering. You lose the aggressive panhandling. You lose the drinking in public. Now we're all the way up to this idiot's at press conferences, and everyone's blowing pot smoke everywhere. And it's a huge complaint, by the way, with everybody. Even people that smoke pot are saying the city stinks like weed. What the fuck's going up? Right, because it's just and all and all of that does is every single thing that he that he got down, he took this. Oh, and then it was the diaphragm law, right? And then it was this, and it was that, and everything. What does it lead to? It leads to everyone looking around and going, "Holy shit, the city's dirty. You could do whatever the fuck you want here, and the cops don't do anything. The cops are on their phone right now doing something. You know what they're doing?" They're doing this stupid fucking report that they got to do on their fucking phone because it's the only thing they can do, and that's that's what their job is today. Because anything else they do, it's it's it they'll be violating the law to do what they know and that what they would assume a cop should be doing. You know, I think you brought up an amazing point. It's actually a great point. The cops that are watching this, they completely understand that because, they, and and that's that's also probably what attributes a lot to uh, the civilian complaints that I had. So, most of the other teams, I suppose, I, w- I would coordinate, I would speak to the special operations lieutenants from other commands, the joining commands, and we would do joint operations together, things like that. And we would always do the intrusive police work. And we would do it based on stop, question, frisk. Because it's, in my opinion, based on the observation skills, and when you're looking for potential perpetrators that may be in possession of firearms, it's, it's that level two and level three. Level two, right, which is the... Uh, uh, common law inquiry, found a suspicion, level three, which is your reasonable suspicion, that's where we would get those firearms. Those those were the persons of interest that would have those 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 movements, those indicators that that person has a firearm. Those were the stops that let them firearms. There were some cases where you would stop someone on probable cause, maybe they're urinating in public or smoking marijuana, and they're in possession of a firearm. But most cases, when someone's in possession of a firearm, they're not going to take the chance of those uh, those minor incidents, because they they know that they have the firearm on them. Uh, so those who we get the firearms, but yes, we had to transition that model where we had to tail away from those stops and stop people based on probable cause, jaywalking, right? Someone riding a bike on a sidewalk, someone smoking weed in public, someone urinating, so you could get those potential firearms. Why? Because it was safe, so that our cops don't get in trouble. It's a great point that you put out because the cops were facing civilian complaints when they were stopping. Stopping persons of interest based on cases of people versus law. So if you stop someone with probable cause, it's safe. Now you don't have to articulate, explain what lets that stop and have to worry about civilian complaint review board and also that case not going forward on some type of suppression hearing at the district attorney's office. So probable cause is safe. But then you get to a point, you're 100% right. Now those minor violations that were probable cause that led to stops that could get you the firearm have been taken off the table. So we lost the intrusive police work, and we lost the minor violation of probable cause. So exactly, 
Now you're left into a position of just having omnipresence. But that presence is not just enough. I've said this before on Facebook, and I really mean this. Presence is important. But what presence does, it displaces crime. It's my opinion, it's intrusive police where that actually curbs crime. So it's my opinion that if you, when you have presence, it displaces your person of interest and your perpetrators and kind of funnels them to another location where your anti-crime cops, your proactive police officers, your cops can engage these persons of interest to utilize the intrusive police work to make arrests. But presence alone does not curb crime. It just displaces it. And we can actually go to the facts. And, and, and it's not out of all. I can show. I, I've actually shown before other commanders that have worked. That you, you're displacing crime. Or you actually want to curb crime. That's what you need to do. You need to have presence. Or the, you need to have that balance. Your intrusive police work. You can't lose that. So here you are. You Just like you said, you got the cops there with the phone. And they have to fill out these silly reports and make sure their activity log is, is, is filled out. And and they're looking up, uh, making you know what the neighborhood coordination officers have in that area, what type of block meetings they have, uh, what's going on in this area. But there's nothing that they, they can do to actually address it. Well, in their opinion, I'm standing in the spot that you told me to stand, so I'm doing my job now. And you and I had uh, one one of our viewers he had written to you, uh, written to us, and said that they put him in a position at a train station where. There was already a presence there, and it was almost silly that he was there. They had other police cars there, so it, it was just almost like doubling up in the same spot, and he pretty much felt useless. And that's nice to hear because here he is. He wants to be a cop and help out. He wants to be put in, a, in the right pos position. But they're just placing people just to say it's there. And, and there is zero plan. And it's funny. Here we are at the end of the year. There's zero plan. Transit's out of control. And then I watched a video of Chief Kemper, who's now the transit chief, being interviewed, where I don't even know how this man sleeps at night, how these lies come out of his night, his mouth, that we are in a good place. Well, transit is out of control. And please, to my viewers, listen to this video. Uh, John, maybe we can explain where this clip is so that they can find it. And he says that, well, people have to understand where to stand. If you're in a desolate area, you know, you're better off standing somewhere where there's a lot of people. So now you ought to be playing. You're not a cop. You're a potential victim. But shame on you when you weren't standing in the right place. And then he talks about how, well, you know, the, the police department does a great job of putting a twist on things to make it, you know, effective in, in, in any manner that they see fit. And we can do that with statistics. But that now that transit has less riders, the, uh, I'm sorry, as more writers than it did in COVID, that, that, that's good because it's straight the numbers. I, I mean, this is just silly talk, honestly. <laughs> yeah, nah, the the video was, he was on New York One. He was with Pat Kiernan. I posted it on my Twitter and on my Instagram. And, you know, cr transit crimes up for 2022, it's up 29%. So Pat Kiernan asked him about that. He's like, oh, you know, what's what's the plan going forward? And, and he totally deflects. And he's like, well, you actually went down. Actually, we're down to, you know, we're down from uh, pre-COVID uh, levels and we're down from, uh, uh, you know, 10 years prior. You'd have to go back to 2008 or whatever to hit these numbers that we're at right now. So totally disregards like, you know, and if you're a CEO and you're listening to this, imagine you going up to Comstat and and giving that fucking answer. Like you're, you're up 29 percent shootings or you're up 29 percent overall crime. And they ask you, what's up? 
Oh, you know, actually, we're not. Actually, we're not. We're, you know, pre-pandemic levels, we're not. You know, so total huge deflection. You know, like I said, I really, like, listen, I, I it is what it is. Like, I, I, I just, listen, I, I like a lot of these guys, I, but I don't, I, I just, there's no, there's no leadership. There's no moral integrity being exhibited with any of them. I don't even really want to waste that much time on it because it's like, whatever, you know, like it is what it is, but that's, you know, he's working for Eric Adams. Right. And so Eric Adams doesn't point out any of those things. Right. He doesn't point out those two overlying facts that we took away the tools from our cops. Right. Then we started to shut down all of our units, our gang, our narco. Right. We started to take that out because those were the guys like you. Very few guys in patrol precincts was still running around putting their hands on people. It went down from like 10% of the job doing it to about 2%. And the majority of the people that were still doing police work at that time were long-term investigations or they were using – they had better – resources they would have guys up on roofs they would have places cameraed they would have undercovers they would have a lot more resources than the street guys like you were really a rarity at that point other than a lot of young guys still running out and getting the guns and doing that but we were still not going up in crime even removing all of those things why because arrests are still getting made we're still going to 911 jobs and arresting people, and the DAs are still prosecuting people. And, you know, and New York DAs were never great. They were never great, but when it became egregious, when it became egregious, people went to jail. Now you can have 30 robberies around the street, you can have 30 burglaries around on the street. So this happens 2022. We get exposed. The fucking COVID comes. The Blasio goes full communist. All of our DAs, all five borough DAs, stop fucking prosecuting. They stop. 90% of the cases are getting thrown in the toilet bowl. You know, we have all of this other law. Eric Adams never identifies anything. He never identifies not one issue with any of the stuff I just talked about. So, and again... Because he doesn't have the knowledge to go back and even under fully understand because his career was not a good police career by any stretch of the imagination. I would love to see his evaluations. I spoke to some of his supervisors. They told me that he was a terrible cop. He was a terrible cop. He was a terrible sergeant. He was a terrible lieutenant. He was a terrible captain. That's what I hear from everybody. That's not I, – I, I wasn't there. I didn't supervise him. I never worked directly with him. But – I mean, when you hear it over and over and over again, and I don't take, you know, I hear, you know, you could hear a million things about me, about Eric, but like when you hear it over and over and over again, you're like, all right, there's got to be some basis of it. And based on the way he comes in, I got to say, he has no institutional knowledge of how actual policing works. And he had no plan. You know, he had no plan. That's it. He, he did nothing. You well, know? His, but I think that, you know, he was relying, his biggest plan was in, in this is, the, this is the lie that's been told to the public. He said that he's going to create and implement an, an effective anti-crime team, quasi-anti-crime team. It's going to be an anti-crime team that's going to be uniform, but it's going to be, I don't know, I'm sorry. And, and he said it was going to be a modified plainclothes uh, uniform. It's completely not plainclothes. If anybody knows the neighborhood, it's called, anti-crime team is now transitioned to what's called the neighborhood safety team. The neighborhood safety team is one sergeant, and five cops on that team, and these, and usually in a precinct, there's three, two to three teams 
And then the oversight of that is a special operations tent. Now, the problem is this. So they're not in plain clothes. They're in complete uniform. All six of those cops, the sergeant and five cops, they're all in uniform. The only difference is they don't have a patch on the arm. And the nameplate says NYPD. They don't have their actual shield. It's a shield that's printed on their shirt. Other than that, it is a complete uniform. Um, now, the best guys that are your anti-crime cops cannot do this type of police work. And that's why Mayor Adams, when he created this baby, uh, the criteria was a minimum of two, and a, two years on the job to be part of this team. Two years on the job, you do not have the observation skills to be on these teams yet at all, especially to be on neighborhood safety team, which is supposed to mirror anti-crime. You might be able to start a conditions team or some type of proactive team where you're learning, you're engaging constant people. But when you're on a team that's specifically targeting firearms, you need experience. These teams don't have that experience. Why? Because if you do have experience on the job, you have tenure, you're a veteran, your record is peppered up for the Civilian Complaint Review Board. You're probably on level one, level two, which is different monitoring levels because you have civilian complaints. And you're not going to be on these teams. They want a clear record to be on these teams. Also, these guys are wearing body cameras. Inside their cars, they have cameras inside the cars also. So they have complete oversight. It's just not natural. What the public might not understand is these cops, when they're doing intrusive police work, they're not lying when something's not on the body camera. It's just the reality. You may see something to your right, to your left. A, a, a thousand things are going on. In an eighth of a second, you get these observation skills that are going through your mind of what you saw, and the body camera doesn't catch it. It just doesn't. And by the time that body camera hits your potential adversary, person of interest, and you're making an interaction, there's a there's so much that has happened in an eighth of a second that a viewer is not going to see. And even if it was captured, you may not see what the cops saw. You and I talked about that. We talk about it all the time. Cops see things that other people don't see because that's your forte. That's your job, those observation skills. So Mayor Adams does not create an effective anti-crime team plan. What he should have done is said, listen, if you're an effective police officer out there and you're doing proactive police work and you have civilian complaints and you're on level one or level two, you know what? That's not going to be a problem. And stand by this cop and say, hey, they're going to be on these teams because they're the ones that are effective and the civilian complaints are a byproduct. Then he should have done a follow-up investigation, civilian complaint review board, and see how your, your, your talented cops are being affected by the civilian complaint review board and they're taking them off the street and it's leading to your mass excess of who's actually on the street and leading to your mass excess who's leaving the job. In addition to those that were not, uh, I'm sorry, that those that took a stance against forced vaccination. He never took a stance against it. That's another thing that was ineffective and hurt his potential crime plan was you removed talented cops because they did not take the vaccine. So we're losing our talented police officers, our talented cops, because they're, they're capable to retirement because they decide they're not taking this vaccine. Or someone like yourself with 18 years experience, you've been in different different areas, different facets on the job, different boroughs. You have so much knowledge to offer. But he kept that force vaccine and he doubled down on it and you decided to remove yourself. So he lost talent on this job. He lost you to the vaccine and he lost myself to civilian complaint review board. So being a cop, I don't know how you let that happen on your watch, knowing that that's going to hurt any crime plan that you have. Because 
those that have the talent to do intrusive police work and those have the leadership on this job to lead your police officers and cops to intrusive police work, they're not there. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. He Right after, right after Mora and Rivera mm-hmm. got killed, he fired cops. He went to the funeral. 100%. The next week, he fired cops. So right 100%. then and there, I'm like, this guy's not, he's not serious. He's not serious at all. I went on Fox News. I didn't, I don't think I bashed him, but I just said, like, there's no, there's no leadership being exhibited. This is, this is Bill de Blasio 2.0, and he unleashes the, uh, the blueprint. Uh, what, what is it called? The, the blueprint to end gun violence, right? And what's the blueprint to end gun violence? Eric hit one of them. Eric hit the one point. They, uh, they, they, they put the, the neighborhood safety teams in to go with public safety teams, right? So we have the public safety team. Now we have the neighborhood safety team. And Eric just broke that down, what that was, right? He does that. He's firing cops. Cops are retiring left and right. And what does he say? He says he's going to expand the anti-violence crisis management system that was implemented in 2014 by Mayor de Blasio, right? He's going to put more funding to this successful program. These are the violence interventions. And and again, I've been saying this from day one, because from 2014 on, every place that they got implemented in every precinct, we implemented a violence intervention in a precinct, crime rose. So how... So how is it successful? What are the metrics we're determining that this is successful? And and just so we're aware, we have violence intervectors, interventions who are making 180K a year. They're unvaccinated. They have criminal records. They're partaking in crime. They're arrested. They are being they are actively being investigated for homicides and drugs and all of this other stuff. And, and, and we have, and, and yet they're sitting down with our commanders and they have a say in our crime strategies and they're making huge salaries. We don't know who they are. We don't know how they're picked. We don't know how much they're paid. We don't know what their job entails. And, and he's not labeling any of that stuff out. They're all unvaccinated, but that's perfectly fine. You know, and yet, what what are we doing here? We're just funneling more money to it, and we're expanding it citywide now, and giving hundreds of millions of dollars away to the city. And who's getting it? It's all in the shade of darkness. Taxpayers should know about it. It's it's really a program that needs a huge expose on it. I mean, it's 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 so ripe for corruption. It's so ripe for corruption. Not even with just the funds going out. And who's getting it and what not-for-profits getting it and what neighborhood programs are getting it. It's so ripe for corruption. And now we're implementing these people to actually have a say in the police department strategy and knowing valuable intelligence. And possibly even sending our officers into harm way with the intelligence they're giving us. It's it's so ripe for corruption, it's not even funny. So he, so he does that, right? He's, he's adding to that because that's been so successful without one metric of proving how it is successful. Then he, you know, he talks about how many guns they removed off New York City streets. They removed six. In 2021, they removed 6,000 guns. This year, supposedly, we removed 7,000 guns with 4,000 gun arrests. What he doesn't tell you, though, and we've spoken about this before, he doesn't tell you, out of those 4,000, who's in jail? 
How many of them were re- repeat offenders? How many of them were released right away back onto the street? How many of those 4,000 cases were thrown out right on the face? How many of those 4,000 cases were thrown out because of the discovery law? How many of those guys were convicted but walking around New York City streets because of bail reform? We don't know. I know Chief LaPretri knows all that stuff. I know he knows all that, right? I know he has it down cold, and if he was ever allowed to speak and, and put it out into the media— because he did go on a rant one time when bail reform hit. I don't know if anyone watched that press conference. I watched it, and and De Blasio almost pulled the mic away from him. I'm actually surprised he's still he's still a chief to today after that press conference. Because I, I, you know, he has the number. He sees the data. I mean, this is what's going on is an upending of our justice system. And what does Mayor Eric Adams say? What does he say about the guy who we talk about the most, Alvin Bragg? Me and him are one and the same. Bingo. It, it's, right, exactly. To go along with that and to go even further, he also says that he looks forward to teaming up with Governor Hochul and working together and creating a plan together. What plan? Because she has zero plan to change anything with bail reform. These minor uh, these minor tweets that they have made, I mean, they're, they're laughable. They have no effect at all. It's almost, it's almost exactly the same. I don't even know why they bothered bragging about these changes. There's absolutely no... No management. There's no effective change. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it, it, it's totally. I mean, it, I, I was, it was to me. It was just completely left. It was a. It was a complete joke. I mean, I mean, listen. Here we here we are, right? We're, we're a year later. I mean, and all I hear is that murders are down and shootings shootings are down. And then again, we talk about in in, in the blueprint. All I ever hear is end gun violence. Why are we calling it gun violence? Why don't we just say that we need to end violence? And that's why I'm very skeptical when they say murders are down and shootings are down. Well, are murders down just by firearm? Or or are murders down completely? I mean, because we know that there's many people through the city, and it's unfortunate, said they get get killed by the hands of another, not just by a firearm. So we need to end violence, not just gun violence. And I remember, I don't have the numbers, but I have to pull up. When the neighborhood safety team had, had initially was implemented, and when they started to make firearm arrests, and he was bragging about the arrests that they're making, there was no difference that they were making as the neighborhood safety till three days prior to that when they were public safety. They were making the same firearm arrests that they were before. Now they were just doing a quasi-uniform. And, and, and the problem is, now we're doing it with all these new guys. So I'm very skeptical of these fire, fire arrests that they're making. Just like you said, how many of them are actually making it past the suppression hearing? Because we have new guys that are having interactions with potential perpetrators. Are they able to get these firearm arrests past the suppression hearing? I don't have the numbers. We would have to do some type of fall request. But I would love to see those numbers because I'm pretty confident. I'm sure those numbers are probably delineating difference from the anti-crime guys that had the experience to articulate the stop up to the persecution, uh, prosecution. Well, I mean, yeah, but I, you know, again, these district attorneys are no longer prosecutors. They mm-hmm. believe themselves social workers. Their mission <laughs> is social work. This is, and like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not saying anything that that doesn't come out of their mouth. 
You know what I mean? Sure. I'm, 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 I'll, I'll quote. I'll quote Alvin Bragg. I'll quote Alvin Bragg. This guy was arrested seven times. That's seven times we could have connected him to services, and we failed. Alvin Bragg's job is not to connect anybody to services. Let's get that 100%. straight out. Let's just get 100%. that straight out. That's up to a judge and a jury of, of that person's peer. You know, you know, we want to talk about drugs, where you want to get people into court-ordered rehab, you know, and, you know, anyone that maybe is doing larcenies because of their drug addiction or burglaries because of their drug addiction. But when it's repeated, when we're seeing it and these people are doing it without any incident, there has to be jail. There has to be consequences. And we're not getting that now. So we're getting it with inexperienced guys, less guys, right? That's the other thing. And that was another part of his blueprint. I'm going to put more officers on patrol. Right. I'm going to remove them from the admin units and I'm going to put them on patrol. Right. Great. That's great. However, that's already was done on the bill de Blasio and all of these units were down to bare bones. And now you have all these people with intricate knowledge of this whole system you have in place. Right. And guess what? You're losing those guys, too. So you're not even replacing anybody on patrol because you failed right on its face with the vaccine mandate. You failed in in manpower. You failed in keeping morale not only in this job but in the whole city. Teachers, sanitation workers, firefighters. These are people that are not easily replaced. You know, at the same time, he said he's going to beef up gun violence suppression division, right? How are you doing now? We lost 600 detectives this year. We don't even know how many we lost over the mandate. You know what I mean? I speak to detectives all the time that are in different that are in different departments now because because of this. You know, and and who we're going to take? What we're taking these new guys and we're putting them on the gun violence suppression team? They don't even have the they don't have knowledge. They don't have the back knowledge of how this works to even step into that area and arena and be effective. You know. So it's. It, no, I'm sorry. Go. Yeah. No, I agree. Now, it sounds great. What he says, I hope I hope the viewers are listening to this. Honestly, I agree. It, we do need more cops out the street, on the street. We need more cops on patrol. And when he said it, I'm like, you know what? You're right. We do need more active. But what he didn't say is, what are they going to be doing? This is the problem. You know, working in my last year, driving around the South Bronx, you know, they put a lot of presents out there. We had... Uh, just as always, putting the uniform cops out there. They had these administrative cops. They were displacing cops from other precincts, put them in PSA 7, flooding the streets. But you know what they looked like? They looked like potted plants. There were 50 cops pulled on one corner, and they would just stand there because they don't want to interact with the public. They don't want to engage the public. Here they are in a precinct that they don't work, so they don't want to make an arrest there because they don't know the arrest process. They don't want to engage people because if you engage someone on the street for, for a minor violation at this point, it, the crowd is going to erupt. It's going to be a brawl. Someone's going to get hurt. You're getting a civilian complaint with your board. It's not even worth it. So we had 50 cops standing on a corner doing absolutely nothing. It looked like potted plants. So, yes, Mayor Adams, Party crime plan, it sounds great, but you didn't give the entire solution. Yes, we need more cops on patrol, but we need cops on patrol that are being utilized effectively. What are they doing? If we have 
20 cops in a particular precinct out on the street at one time. What are those 20 cops doing? If we have those 20 cops standing on the same corner, then well, they're useless. But if we have 20 cops that are out there working as a team and doing, doing intrusive police work, and they actually have the knowledge of that precinct, what are the crime trends? What are the patterns? What are the clusters going on in that particular precinct? Now we're utilizing them uh, properly. That's a crime plan. But just putting them on a corner, in any corner, it, 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 we're not utilizing them properly. It's just a waste of services. It's a waste of money for the city financially because most of these guys are now on overtime. And I think the problem now is, is what Adams is doing, he's robbing Peter to pay Paul. So now we're taking guys that are detective squad who should be working on cases, closing out cases, and getting information from those that they arrest to close out other cases because that's the beauty of casework. You make arrests, you get information that's intelligence that leads to another arrest. While guys are out there on patrol or doing intrusive police work, bringing these guys in to get more information. Because the information is the key to success. Intrusive police work goes hand-in-hand with getting information intelligence. We garner information intelligence based on intrusive police work. And it all goes hand-in-hand. But if we're taking these guys that are doing casework, because now we're sure because this mass exodus, the mass exodus that is attributed to the vaccine mandate, as a tribute to civilian complaint review board that's pushing out good cops, all right? And we have morale that is just completely down, so there's no reason to stay. So here we are. We have the cops that are out there just standing around there working as a potted plant. That's exactly what they're doing. They're potted plants. And you know what? You can't blame them because they can't do a truce of police work because then they go in to get civilian complaint review boards, self-report a TRI, or potentially get themselves hurt because the taxes is terrible right now. If you're a veteran cop, you know that you can't rely on most of these new cops out there to help you because they're not being trained properly and they're not ready for violence. And then what else? You have the big monkey on your back. You have a body camera. And that body camera is completely ineffective because it only helps you with major things. It doesn't help you with minor things because of the perception of the way things look and the appearance of it. Uh, I just think these are all contributing factors, and he's not addressing these issues. All he talks about is gun violence and the show of the neighborhood safety team guys when they're new. We put these guys up uh, on Twitter photos and show them in possession of a firearm. That's not changing the game or showing pictures of cops that are standing at different locations in transit. Standing where? What are they doing when they're standing? Are they engaged people? No, they're just potted plants. Potted plants is not a crime plan. Yeah, no, not at all. And then he talks about that he's going to use new technology to identify suspects and those carrying guns. So I want to, I just want to go into that right away. That is a police state. That is completely legal. Completely legal. He is a guy that said, I don't want you to stop. I, I'm not, I don't want people who are likely to engage targeted individual, targeted age rank, age range. Uh, neighborhood, like specific targeted area, race, ethnicity, right? Because that's part of your profile. The the clothes you're wearing, the car you're driving. I don't want targeted police work, and I don't want these individuals who fit the profile of someone engaged in criminal activity being stopped by the police. So instead, he'd rather put a camera out there. God knows how good this could be for you. Just constant radiation on everybody. And we're going to search everybody. 
and you're going to get the guy that's going to work and you know you're a, you're you're a smart businessman you didn't sign up to be a cop and i get it and you're a lot smarter than me and eric but i'm just going <laughs> to let you know right now yeah it's not bothering you you don't care cuz you're not carrying a gun well guess what i carry a gun you're violating my second amendment right now now i got to worry about getting shot and being and and stopped because i'm invoking my second amendment right when i'm doing absolutely nothing wrong you have no problem with a search of your whole body because you don't want people that are engaged in criminal activities being stopped so you'd rather you your children your wife your mother your grandmother you want all of them to get radiation dumped down in their body and you live in an actual police state because believe me it won't end there it'll be like oh you're getting a ticket for jaywalking you're getting this you're getting that you're getting this oh you go to work every day let me find 50 more dollars like you can you can give me every day um so to me, that was ridiculous. I was like, you know, this isn't China. I know he's a big fan of China. He's met with the Chinese Communist Party a few times. They actually have a police station in New York City that he's never spoke about. Um, you know, and so to me, I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is stop, question, frisk on a biggest scale for everybody. You're against stop, question, frisk for criminals. Let's do Scott stop, question, frisk for everybody, right? So he, he says that everything else is... He's starting things with partnership with the feds, partnership with them. He's expanding programs. He he does the summer youth employment program, which I think is a good thing. I think probably the only thing that makes sense in this whole document is that he does the summer youth program. I'm like, great. But again, it's done very discriminatorily. It's done very race-based very socioeconomic base based on where you live, which is bullshit because there's kids that live in zip codes that are dirt poor, that are white, that are dirt poor, and they're being left out in the cold. So you're not, you know, you're not, you're not giving an equal opportunity. You're not giving an equal opportunity. But why was, why was this such a big deal? We had a summer youth program already in place. We've had that in place for several years prior. And even though why he was bragging about that being part of his blueprint, because that was already something that was in place that, it usually it's handled by the police explorer coordinators in each precinct. And, and you're right. The only thing they did do by that was, and I did notice that, was they targeted minorities for that summer youth program, particularly when he came in office. And like you said, there are, you know, listen, we're not racist at all. We're trying, we want all the kids to be part of this program. But what we have to point out what's right is right. And it wasn't being targeted in white neighborhoods, in Caucasian neighborhoods. It was targeted in minority neighborhoods. So, and it shouldn't be discriminatory. We should just be helping kids. Not white kids, not black kids, not just kids. Youth. Yep. New York City kids. That's it. Yeah. And he, he does the same thing with his expanding community hiring efforts. Again, it's it's, it's race-based. It's community-based. It's wrong. It's it's not an equal opportunity for all. It's not it's not it's not the best person for the job. It's 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 leaving people out in the cold again. If we're gonna be one, then we all need to be one. You know. So again, I don't I don't like that at all. It's everything that he said he was fighting against. He's just doing the opposite now because he's in charge. And I don't even believe it was that was happening. I don't because again, you know, he didn't even he didn't even really he only he only got captain because he sued. Like you know what I mean. So I, I you know then he says he's gonna expand healthcare and expanded mental care for the homeless. Great, I like the idea. Never did it. Never gave specifics. Still hasn't done it. He said he's going to revisit laws to get people most impacted by mental illness who are danger to themselves or others. No specifics. Hasn't done it. 
Hasn't revisited any laws. Hasn't done that. He says he's going to identify a dedicated anti-gun liaison in every city agency. Why do I need an anti-gun liaison in, in sanitation, in FDNY? Maybe in the department, maybe in the, in the in the DOE, but we do have that. They're called principals. They tell us if somebody's in their school carrying a gun. We have officers. Well, we used to have officers in there. He's not talking about that. Um, you know the the school school cops. Um, you know, and then he talks about bail reform. The only thing about bail reform, he wants judges to have discretion. Again, he's pointing fingers to Kathy Holchel. Nothing he could do. It's out of his ballpark. But there's a lot he could do. When she told him to go f himself. He what does he do? He turns around and he endorses her. Says she's the best candidate for public safety and for New York. So I mean, obviously, you're not serious about public safety. And then in the raise the age part, he 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 talks about raise the age and he talks about how like and and it's very true. Like youth are used to carry firearms or to partake in criminal activity because because the older criminals who will 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 victimize young kids in their neighborhood tell them you go do it because you're not going to get charged for it because you're at a certain age but what he says that his plan and raise the age is that when these kids are arrested with firearms if they don't give up where they got the gun from they're going to receive a higher charge so so violate their fifth amendment right again this is someone that is incompetent, that doesn't understand the laws of this nation, of this city, of this of this whole thing. So someone invokes their Fifth Amendment right, you're going to charge them higher? That's America? That's actually called coercion. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even, I was like, I, I read that, I was like, I almost, I almost choked. I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you, like this, is, this guy was a cop for 21 years, then he was a senator, and then he was the what borough the- president? That's why I'm so happy that you read this blueprint because when it comes to the crime stuff, particularly that you mentioned the uh, bail reform and raise the age, what does he not ever talk about in this blueprint? He talks about send the neighborhood safety teams out there. He talks about these liaisons. He talks about the violence interrupters. He talks about the summer youth program. But what you, you know what we never talk about is putting people in jail. That's the one thing we never talk about. We, we lock people up, we have social workers, we talk to them, but we don't put anyone in jail. And how are you going to curb crime if you don't put anyone in jail? I mean, this is, this is laughable. We just arrest people, but we don't put anybody in jail. So he doesn't talk about what's his plan with Rikers. That, and that's, that's part of the missing link, too. There has to be a nexus with, with corrections and the police department. And there isn't. Yeah, no, there isn't. You're right. You're 100% right. And there's, yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, just go back to the basic, the most violent, right? Because that's what he's targeting, right? Because remember when they moved away from that? This is part of the progressive ideology that he's continuing to file. I, I believe under Dermot Shea, it started, we're going to focus on major crimes. So yeah. I'm like, I, I was like, I, so I remember talking to my boss about it. He's like, no, no, he's doing the right thing. He doesn't want these anti-crime guys getting hurt. So he's going to focus on major crimes. And I'm like, focus on major crime is we're showing up after someone's dead and we're investigating it. And then we're going to go pick up the pieces. That's focus on major crime. Bingo. Dude, you couldn't have said it better. It's exactly that. Because you're, you're doing intrusive police work. You're not doing casework. So exactly. If you want to hit a major crime, you have to wait until the crime actually happens. Yeah. 
that's that's a focus on major crime. And well, and again, I, I, I and again, you're not stemming major crime, in my opinion. And it's I, I mean, and you could look at the history of when we did it. You're not stemming major crime without going after minor crime. It's not happening. You're not going to give you. You're not going to give the city the presence of control. You're not going to give the the city a feeling of safety, and you're not going to give the criminal the fear of being stopped. Stops no, down, crimes up. You know, that's it. I mean, we wouldn't even. You wouldn't even parent your kids the same way. Like you wouldn't say, "Hey, I'm only going to, I'm only going to discipline my kid if he goes out there and does something really bad." Right? I mean, if you went and started writing stuff all, all over the wall, or you went and hit another kid, we wouldn't say nothing. But then that, we'll just leave that alone. But then the kid goes out and, 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 and stabs someone, then we're like, oh, wow. We better discipline him now. We better do something about it. No, you're a little bit too late. But now when it comes to addressing criminals, we're only going to hit major crime. So you're pissing the public. You know what? We're just going to drive by you. You're... you're, you're, you're you're drinking beer in, in, in front of somebody's house late at night, loud, and they can't sleep, go to work? Nah, we'll wait for the major crime to come, happen. We'll wait for the lady to come out and tell them, listen, get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to get some sleep. So they shoot the lady. Oh, now we'll go over there and dress it. I mean, this is ridiculous. They never talk about putting people in jail. John, you said it best. I had to watch the video over and over and dissected myself. You hit the nail on the head. When Commissioner Shea... Our former commissioner, uh, uh, Keyshan Sewell's predecessor, had that video where he said we're going to reduce arrests, reduce summonses. This goes back to this. Again, they don't want cops doing intrusive police work. They wait for the crime to happen, then we'll investigate it. That's exactly what he's saying, and you're saying it now. It, it's the same thing. You know what? We should have saw this coming. It, it, there's no way to not see it coming. I mean, the only way you don't see it coming... The only way you don't see it coming is if you're completely incompetent, which I, I you know, I, I just think it's it's part of the progressive agenda. He's unwilling to go against any 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 of it or he totally believes in it. And he and he thinks this is the way to go. And now I, I, what I will give him a little credit on is what he says. You know, we've, there's a couple of shootings. There's a couple of shootings that made the news where the cops were going to be demonized and even, you know. What he says is, "Oh, yeah, oh, you, you don't shoot at my cops. You don't do that." Like he'll stand up when it's right and he'll say something, but again, he doesn't. He he's done nothing. His public safety plan has done nothing. So if you're just like happy with someone continuing to watch you get fired, you know, for doing your job, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about his illegal fucking mandate that he's still pushing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Your job, you going out there and doing your job, being demonized and fired and getting and getting the rest of your life marked as a brutalizer for uh, based on lies, right? Based on this anti-police lie. He's not protecting you in that way. He's not protecting you financially. He's not protecting your life because the incidents out there are getting more and more violent. And more and more times we're having to use our guns and pull our guns out. Why? Because everybody's carrying guns. So he's not protecting you. He's just saying the right thing. And we haven't had a bad incident yet. And I'll tell you right now, any of you that feel comfortable getting into a bad and Eric Garner incident or something like that, let me tell you something. He's going to step right away from you. He's gonna step. He's gonna. He's gonna right on you. So you I'm know, living seven. 
I'm glad you said it because I, I I've been saying it since day one. If you're one of these guys that you select select a few and you're still doing neighborhood safety teamwork, and if you go out there and you're involved in a bad shooting, God forbid, or a questionable stop or some type of questionable incident, and you're part of Adam's baby, his product, you're done. He's not going to back you up if you're wearing that NST uniform. And that's why I always said to those guys, honestly, it's not because I'm hate on them. It's because I want to protect them. The guys that do a neighborhood safety team right now, I mean, honestly, they're playing with fire. They really are. Because here we are. We're talking about all this stuff. We have all these arrests. We have all these social workers, all these violence workers, all this stuff going on, all this, this, this giant blueprint to curb crime. But again, we never talk about these guys going to jail. We don't talk about they're going to jail and what's going on in Rikers. No, we're just – it's like, again, it's, I said the police department is the only job that you can just start things, but you don't actually have to finish anything. And that's what this is. Ah, we talk to kids. We lock them up, but nobody actually goes to jail. Why are we not talking about what's going on at Rikers? There has to be a nexus. And I tell you what, and I'll always say this, the best gang intelligence that we get for the streets is what's going on from corrections at Rikers. That's the best gang intelligence that we get. The intelligence that we have is good, but nothing better than the gang intelligence at corrections. Why? Because those are guys in jail. They want to get out. How do they get out? They give information. Again, I said intrusive police work is the key to curb crime, along with information intelligence. We need information information intelligence from those that are in jail. But if you've been arrested for a firearm six times in one year, why would you give up any information or intelligence? You're not going to jail anyway. Yeah, and the, and the discovery laws kind of changed that too, man. Because like now everyone, you know, people are less likely to become confidential informants now because they know now their name is eventually getting out. So they're not going to do it. They're going to say, oh, I'm not uh-huh. giving you information. I'm going to get killed. You know, and that's what's uh-huh. going on too. I mean, we don't even have that many people in jail currently in New York City anymore. They're having a mass exodus because they're dealing with all this progressive insanity too. Their job's awful. People are running there too. So Eric Adams public safety plan, his plan to uh, restore quality of life to New York City fails on its head. He took a, a job that was already on, on a decline, a morale, an exodus, and he stepped on its neck and sped it up. And anyone on the job that thinks he's doing a good job, please call me, tell me. I've had several people tell me he's doing a good job, and they can't tell me one thing that he's doing. Other than he's trying. That's the only thing that I've been told. He's trying. I'm like, I'm like, explain trying for me. Don't tell me what he said. What has he done? And they sit there and look at me like, oh, duh, oh, duh. and I'm like, yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that doesn't cut it. If you brought your car to Midas or Meineke or a mechanic right now, you said, listen, I my car is, is not working. The brakes are squeaking. I need my brakes fixed. And you went back and picked up your car two days later, and you drove the car, and the brakes were still terrible, and the car is not stopping. And if you call the guy and say, listen, i got problems, but I'm really trying. Is that going to be good enough? He's trying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I support you. Your car should be running. Yeah. No, that's No. The job has to get done. And he said, get stuff done. That's his slogan, get stuff done. What has he got done? That's not getting things done. If we lock, if we lock up seven thousand people with firearms, but not even twenty percent actually are incarcerated for prosecution, 
where are we seeing any success? Because these, he said, and it's sad that he said this, right? It sounds great. He said, we need to target the shooters. We need to go after the killers. Remember that? You know what it said? So you're, you're admitting, you're saying that the shooters and killers are still on the street. They're not in jail. Because why should we be targeting killers? Killers exactly. should be in jail. Right? And everyone else who's not yet a killer or a shooter falls by the wayside. The drug dealers, the sex traffickers, the burglars, the, the people that are, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is even with the, the catalytic converters, right? They're doing it in broad daylight on like everywhere because there's zero fear. Public safety fails on its head. This is the police department's plan. This is what Eric Adams did. He came in. He took a dwindling down police department. Here's a guy who had diabetes. I actually listened to his podcast because my father had diabetes. I listened to a podcast he did. And I was always wondering, like, and he talked about how how he defeated diabetes by his diet and how he went to this plant-based diet and how he wasn't going to be a slave to Big Pharma. And he, you know, they would just wanted to give him insulin and all this other stuff. And he didn't want to live like that. So he didn't do that, right? So he didn't believe in being a slave to Big Pharma. So what he does is he comes in. He takes this vaccine mandate that we all knew at the time he stepped in. Pandemic was already over. We were already, we were already all working almost two years. We went through the whole thing. All of us had it already. Um, a lot of us had the shot. Most of us didn't, right? Um, he comes in. He tells you, you're going to get it. I don't care. You're going to, this is the best thing ever, or I'm going to fire you. He forces a huge exit off that. Now, this is your job. This is what he does. Now you have a depleted department, the, the, the beach. Let's just take the whole shoreline of the Atlantic Ocean in New York City and label it out by precincts. He has you guys standing at the shore with buckets. Well, as the water comes in, you're picking up buckets and you're throwing it back into the ocean. And he's saying, I don't understand why the water keeps coming up, you know, and uh, and 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 that's basically what's going on. You're, you're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so and that's basically what's going on. It's uh, like we're we're just we're just standing at the shoreline, taking taking uh, taking buckets of water. As the, as the waves come in, we're putting it in the bucket. We're throwing it five feet back into the ocean, and we're standing there again. That's what you guys are doing, and as you do that, every time every time you take a bucket, you're getting CCRBs, you're getting IAB complaints, and your record is just getting built. Your tax number is getting built up to your looking like, what the hell you did? you know. So the guy, honestly, to me, terrible person. I mean, you know, this is the second Christmas that people are terminated. They have no a- employment coming in. I mean, even myself, I, I don't have an, I don't have health benefits. I don't have a check coming in. I served 18 years. I have my good guy letter. I, hopefully I'll get paid eventually if this idiot doesn't run it into the ground. Uh, but I mean, you know, I lost out on my variable supplement because of him. He destroyed a lot of lives. He destroyed a lot of people's lives over this vaccine mandate. Public safety, he's not there for you. Actions. He's not supporting the police department, and 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 he's a liar. I mean, the, the plant based thing. You know, no one no one questions him. The guy's in a steakhouse every night. We have a photo of him eating a thousand dollar gold crusted steak. I mean, that sounds good. That sounds good, right? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, but I'm just like, you know, it's it, it it's laughable to me. It's like, oh well, he's a vegan. No, he's not. And then he changed it all mainly plant-based. 
oh, people are making a big deal about my diet. I'm like, listen, I don't care what you eat. What? Why would you lie about something that little? You eat meat sometimes. <laughs> you eat meat sometimes. Why is that a lie yeah. about it? Why are you going to lie about it? Or maybe, maybe you did a plant-based diet to, to combat your diabetes, and now you transition. You, you, know, you miss a steak. You want to cut steak here and then. Nobody's going to fault you for it. Just come out and say it. Yeah, you know, I, like that's my thing with him is like I just don't. I, I'm not a fan of him at all. I don't. I don't like what he did. You know, I'm, I'm happy that the young cops are recovering and they're in stable condition. But I mean, look at last night. Look at last night. These kids get attacked in Times Square. It's not in the frozen zone, so I mean that's a good sign. I would still be very leery of that moment in time because I mean, you would have to think about at that point in time. Are there other people out there? Are there devices put around? I mean, number one terrorist target in the world. You know, he said it's the crossroads of the country. It's actually the crosswords of the world. It's 42nd Street, Times Square. He said in a speech earlier that day, it's the crossroads of the country. It's actually the crossroads of the world, uh, Times Square. And it's the number one terrorist target in the world. So here these kids are. There's no zero fear of them. Uh, Guy takes out a machete, uh, slashes one stabs one in the skull with the machete. Um, they shoot him in the shoulder. He's still alive. Um, they're saying that he's a devout uh, he's a devout Muslim and he was an uh, Islamic terrorist, basically. That he was there to target the police and he's, he's made mention to his family that he wants to go fight in Afghanistan against America. Um, so that's nowhere on the news. He hasn't spoken about it. He hasn't called the guy a terrorist. As, right after that incident, as those cops are in the hospital, he goes around Times Square. He goes up to one of the buildings to where he has a good view, and he videotapes himself, and he gives a nice 2022 message, a nice part of how, how he gives himself a nice pat on the back for the great job he did, and he thanks everybody for giving him the honor of protecting him. Um and I just think it just shows that he really doesn't give a shit about you guys. And then after the ball drops, he shows up at the hospital. Um, so he stayed there. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm just not I'm just not there where he's he's a big supporter of the police or he even knows what's going on in the city or he showed any competence whatsoever. First of all, he claims that he's a cop. I mean, that was his campaign. He is cop. He was a cop, so he knows how to fix the city, get us back to where we need to be and to alleviate the burden that's going on for the, for the, for the citizens, bring quality of life back. Let's say, let's say he actually did that, which he didn't. But the most important thing should be to him is if you're a cop, is protecting your cops. So here you are in a year span you're not saying to yourself, what the hell is going on? I mean, you were a cop, and you claim that you were a cop in an era that was more of a dangerous time and that the streets were more violent. I've heard that actually come out of his mouth. We've heard that several times. So here, you're a cop, and on your watch, we're not blaming you for it, but we're saying on your watch, two cops were murdered in execution style. And now we have here on New Year's Eve, a cop was slashed in the head. We had another cop recently 
that was slashed. His nose was basically taken off. We have way too many cops getting stabbed. It's getting close to personal. And I've said this numerous times, numerous times, John. It's unfortunate, but we're headed there. I mean, we had the incident in transit. It was our first 265 Police Live Series police event that we spoke about in transit where two cops were getting attacked. One cop was getting punched in the head. The other cop was trying to crap all the perp. And, I mean, they just got manhandled. There was another two cops recently that just got manhandled in front of a bus. It's getting close and personal. And I've said this constantly. It's unfortunate. But if we keep going down this road, we're going to lose a cop. Not to an injury, but a cop is going to lose his or her life to someone in close proximity, and it's not going to be by a firearm, you say, and gun violence. It's going to be by the hands of another with a knife or maybe just by someone's bare hands in some type of struggle. Why? Because our cops are lacking training. They're not ready for violence. We're not teaching a warrior spirit. We've made it seem that a warrior spirit is toxic. It's almost like this, this culture that we have where they talk about toxic masculinity. No. We need to be warriors. Jordan Peterson had said this numerous times, and I agree with him. He says you need to be a monster. You need to be a monster inside, a warrior, but you need to control it and use it for appropriate things properly. You should take pride on having strength. But no, it, it's become it's toxic to be a warrior, right? We've had advocates that, you know, in regards to uh, – uh, my story about being the most complete cop that, oh, well, he has a warrior spirit. Almost like it's a bad thing. We need our cops to have a warrior spirit so that they don't get stabbed, so that they don't get killed. John, you talked about it. You talked about the interview stance. Obviously, the cops are not utilizing the interview stance anymore. We're letting people, cops, my cops out there, please, families of the cops out there, don't let them, let this happen to them. Don't let this happen to you. Don't let people in your personal space. Use that interview stance. Do not let people get in your personal space. They could stab you. They could hurt you. Don't worry about the civilian complaint review board. John and I are fighting for you. We're going to be the catalyst for change with the civilian complaint review board. This has got to be changed. But you cannot be afraid of civilian complaint. If you get the civilian complaint, so be it. But you can't replace your life. Thank God this, 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 this young cop is alive. But he's just lucky. He got slashed in the head. It could have been worse. The only reason he's alive is by luck. But how many times can we survive on luck? And survival is not enough. We have another cop that lost his nose. We have a cop that slashed in the head. What about the trauma that these cops are now facing? What about other cops that are working in close, close proximity that say to themselves, wow, I don't know if I have the training. But then they start to realize, I'm not ready for this. I'm not built for this. They're not trained in the manner that we were. They don't have the mindset that we were. We, they need that mindset. So Mayor Adams, you said you were a cop. You should be restoring that warrior mindset. You should be building your cops to be effective so that they don't get stabbed. Because we're headed down a dangerous road here. We really are. And it's not just by gun violence. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope we last on luck. But it's unfortunate if we don't start utilizing appropriate tactics and we let people in our space, someone is going to get killed in uniform by the hands of another. And it's not going to be a firearm. Please do not let that happen to you, my cops out there. Protect yourselves. You, for God's sake, you should love yourself that you protect yourself. You know what? You get that civilian complaint review review uh, review board. 
investigation, be proud of it. Because you know what? You didn't get stabbed. You'll survive. You'll have a civilian complaint on your record. But you know what? You won't be slashed in the head. And you'll still have all your body parts. And you won't have any deformities. You deserve that. Treat yourself with respect. So let's talk about crime, too. Like from the aspect of crime. 22 just 2022 just came to an end. Uh, 23% surge in major crimes. Major crimes up 23%. But the police department, the appointed in the police department, the appointed management, and Adams, they're telling themselves on the back, homicides are down 13%. There are 418 homicides this year from 481 the year prior, right? Uh, Shooting victims, they're down. Shooting victims and shooting incidents are down. Now, shooting incidents, I'll dispute because we'll never know those real numbers. But shooting victims are down. 1,549 from 1,851. So that's down 16%. And they're saying shooting incidents, 1,280. uh, We had 1,280 as opposed to 1,543 the year prior. That's down 17%. Uh, But rapes are up 7%, uh, 1,591 uh, from we had 1,481. Felony assaults are up 13%, 25,596 from 22,738. Robberies, robberies spiked 26%. 26% from 17,000 uh, to, to 17,138 from 13,592. Burglaries, burglaries up 23% in New York City. 15,481 from 12,568. Grand larcenies, 26%. 50,000 from 40,000, right? And then car theft, 32%. 13,475 from 10,291 the year prior. I mean, so major crime is up huge, Right, I mean that's a huge jump, twenty three percent. But they're touting themselves over the shootings being down, and the shooting incidents and the shooting victims. Eric, is there anything that you see that that we that he implemented from the time he came in that could account for that the the deduction in shootings or homicides? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, I, I don't see anything in this blueprint that it shows any correlation to the shootings. Be, no. I, I mean, that, listen, that could just be a play of statistics. I mean, shootings are up and down. We're talking about 12%. I mean, easily, easily by next month, if we start going by the 28-day period, we could be up and down. And, and again, what I, what I like to look at the numbers when you talk about shootings being down, what I'm concerned about is that's great to look at just raw numbers. Hey, 481 versus 418, but who is getting shot? And and, and I don't have the numbers, but when you and I look at the news and uh, we speak to other cops about the shootings that happened, what I see is what we didn't have before is we're getting a lot of innocent bystanders that are being shot in these in these shootings. So we don't have we don't have the numbers of, of the actual shooting incidents because. It, we don't know exactly how they got documented, if they're all being documented, but if we have two rival gangs shooting at each other and then some innocent bystander gets hit, I mean, how is that a win? Because it seems to me, we, 
we, we're having these constantly. I mean, the other day we had an innocent bystander that was uh, some woman that was shot and killed in Harlem. We had nothing to do. She was caught in crossfire. So I like. I, I would love to see the numbers on how many innocent bystanders were getting shot out of this 418 compared to that 481 the year prior. And I'm sure we probably see a substantial, a substantial difference. And again, all we talk about is murders by gun violence. What about the hands of another? Using a knife, using just bare hands, using a car. But all we talk about is gun violence. And it, it, it's it just, it, it doesn't seem to, the, the scales don't seem to balance. It, it doesn't it doesn't sound right to me that here we are. Robberies are up 26%. Rapes are up 7%. Everything is up, but somehow murders and, shoot, and shootings are down. So I'm skeptical. What, what, what about yourself? I mean, we confiscated more guns this year. We've made more gun arrests this year in a non-intrusive police department, right? We're getting these guns on routine 911 jobs. Right. Not from stops, not from observation skills like you used to. Very few people are doing that today in New York City, and I don't blame them. Right. So the amount of guns on New York City streets today is phenomenal. So I I haven't heard one thing that would stop these shootings, these homicides or these shooting incidents that he said. Um, I know we've had some major takedowns in New York City of, of violent uh, of violent perpetrators. We arrested 60 people. We did this. Do me a favor. Tell me how many of them are still in jail because it ain't a lot of them. You know, Bingo. You know, tell me tell me how many are still in jail. So we, I, I don't think that is a correlation at all. I really think it's luck and bad aim. If I had to correlate the, why those are down, it's luck and bad aim because again, shot spotters are only—they're not throughout the whole city. They're not in in in. They're only in the the high crime precincts per se. But crime is up in every precinct, right? We're seeing shootings across the board throughout the city. We're seeing crime rise in every precinct throughout New York City. Shootings are up. Shooting incidents are up. In every precinct in New York City, right? So, uh, again, I don't, I think there's a lot of rounds being let go on New York City streets every day. I just don't think there's a lot of people being hit, and I don't think there's a lot of reports being taken for that. So, I'm going to say right there, it's pure luck. So, I don't think it's anything that they did. Oh, absolutely not. We, we completely debunked that. Again, I'm glad you pointed that out. It goes back to what I'm saying. Yeah, we're arresting these people. But no one's actually going to jail. There's no con- there's no adverse consequences at all. So it's great if you have social programs and you actually lock people up. What's the end result? You say you want to dam these rivers, but where's the water going to? It's not stopping. You're not stopping it. It's just coming back. It's like a waterfall. That's all we have. The water runs down and goes back on the waterfall. We're still wet. Uh, nothing's changed. We have to put people on jail. So where's the prosecution? Again, why is Mayor Adams not saying, you know what, Bragg, you need to go. It's sad. We always pick up Bragg. But, hey, Eric Gonzalez, I, he can go too. They can all go. All, all <laughs> five of them. Every single one of them. Darcel Claw, Katz, McMahon, all of them. Get them all out. They're all Soros-backed DAs. They're all progressive DAs. All, all of them could go, in my opinion. Uh, they're, 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 
they are they fancy themselves social workers. They forgot no, what so their right. they forgot what their job title is. I don't know why Darcel fucking always seems to get a pass. I mean, she's been like this forever, and here we are. But now the problem is that everyone is like this. Yeah, I mean, and CCRB is getting more power. Um, you know, I don't think that we're going to see major changes to this disciplinary matrix. I think the, the disciplinary matrix changes <laughs> we're going to see is that oh, if you didn't give a business card, you're not going to get fucking charges. Whoop de fucking do. You know, like I, I mean, seriously, that's not it's 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 the least of concern if you know CCRB is going to charge you for not giving someone a business card. Um, I mean, but you know, again, they got to get rid of all those penalties. Uh, I just heard. I don't know if you guys are aware of profile allegation. Profile allegation came in around like 2016 into the police department, and that and that's an allegation that you could get if somebody calls up now and says he pulled me over because I had Jersey plates. He pulled me over because I'm Italian. He pulled me over because I'm black. He pulled me over because I'm married. She pulled me over because she wanted to get my phone number. She pulled me over for whatever. Anything that you pull someone over for, if they give one reason, whatever it is, I had a black shirt on. I had rims on my car. He thought I had money. Whatever the reason that somebody that's trying to file a complaint against you and calls IAB, you now get a profiling charge on you. Where before it would just be a disputed summons charge, right? Now you're getting a profiling charge and you're getting ticked. And my whole thing when that came in is I said, that's fucking ridiculous. I said because you could never you could never substantiate that charge against someone. Unless I said, yeah, I pulled him over because he's black, right? Unless I said I pulled him over because he's black, there's no way that you could ever substantiate that charge, right? It's subjective. How do you know what my real intentions were? Oh, yeah, I was smoking weed. I was smoking weed, but he didn't stop me for that. He stopped me because I'm black profiling right now you guys are probably running around you have and i don't care what color you are you probably have 10 15 profiling charges against you you don't even know about right because in your iab record right and then so what happened like three years ago started getting the police department's not finding anybody guilty of profiling and it's like yeah what do you do how could you find anybody guilty of profiling right because i just said it so what had just came down recently is, I just heard, I don't know how true it is. I haven't seen any documentation, if any of you guys know. I just heard that the Civilian Complaint Review Board two months ago has now been given a profiling allegation to investigate. So I'm going to say that in 2023, we're going to see a lot of substantiated profiling cases against police officers. And where is Eric Adams? Where is that going to fall on the abuse of authority, or it's going to be a separate? I don't know. I don't know. I got to see the paperwork on it. I don't know. Um, I got. I got to see what what it is. I would assume it's abuse of authority. Abuse of. I mean, that's really the catch-all. You know. Again, again, here's here's the problem, right? It sounds great. Commissioner Keechan Sewell said that she wants to modify, revamp the disciplinary matrix, right? But here. She has an opportunity to fix the flaws of her predecessors and say, wait a minute. We have a mass excess, excess that's going on. Clearly, the vaccine mandate hurt my, my department, right? She may, listen, honestly, there, there may be nothing for her to do about that. That may be way above her politics. That's something Mayor Adams 
double down on. Clearly, he's not going to deviate for the vaccine mandate because that affects other agencies as well. Teachers, all throughout the city, right? She's the police commissioner. So fine. That's something you can't address. Morale is down. That's something that you address because you're a good cops are being affected by the civilian complaint review board and this, this disciplinary matrix. And here you have the opportunity to say, wait a minute. I have an internal affairs division and a whole entire internal affairs bureau assigned to the New York City Police Department. And am I right? I think IAB is this, the, the second largest bureau in the police department after patrol. Am I right? I think it's Patrol Services Bureau and then oh, Internal yeah. Affairs. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. right. So Internal Affairs, here we go, is the second largest bureau in the entire police department. Second amount, the most amount of, of rank and file working to keep this department clean, to keep it working appropriately so that we have the lowest amount of, of misconduct worldwide. But yet we need to have civilian complaint report, have more investigative powers. I mean, if there was some profiling case, an actual legit profiling charge, would the Internal Affairs Bureau invest, invest, investigate this anyway? If there was a police officer actually abusing his or her authority, would the Internal Affairs be a part of this investigation? If someone uses too much force, which is excessive, Internal Affairs investigates that anyway. I don't understand why we even need the civilian complaint review board. If you have, if you use unnecessary force, the inspections unit of the police department would investigate that. If you used offensive language, the inspections unit would address it. If you were discourteous, the inspections unit would investigate. It. So why do we need the civilian complaint review board anyway? And here now we're going to give them the right to investigate profiling, and you're 100% so glad that you said that. How would you prove that? You would have to actually have someone, you would have to have them on the body camera saying, I stopped you because you're black. And even if that was the mindset of someone, which I haven't met them yet, who would say that on the body camera? Who would be that dumb? It's, you, I mean, you know I, mean I mean, but I'm just going to give you one thing. Like, even if you said that, first of all, we're allowed to lie to the public. Even if you said that, I'm going to give you one scenario. I fucking see this guy one day walking up the block pulling door handles. I sit back. I wait for him. He happens to be a black guy. He gets in the car. When he's in the car, he's fumbling through the glove box. I walk right up on him. Put your hands up. Police. Oh, come on, man. You're just stopping me because I'm black. I'm like, exactly. Nailed it. I was like, you nailed it, bro. Put your hands behind your back, right? Fucking. I, I, he's like, see? You admitted it. I was like, no, you dumb fuck. I stopped you because I stopped you because you're fucking someone's car stealing shit, you dumb fuck. Right. I watched it. It's not because you're black. Cut the shit. Guess, guess what? Guess what would happen to me now in the body camera days? I'm guilty of profiling because I said yeah. Because they didn't see him break. You didn't see him breaking into the car on my body camera. It's pitch black out. I'm 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 fucking 200 yards away from him. You know. <laughs> you didn't see that. You just see me walk up to him. You, you know? can't be human anymore. You can't even joke around with people. You know that's part of the escalation. You're 100 right. That might even be yesterday right there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And he's like, it's just, it's yeah, gonna yeah. take a second. Look right. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what? I was like, you nailed it, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's like, shit. see? Yeah, he was like, see? I was like, bro, what are you talking? You're in fucking someone's car. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. So I mean, you know, again, you guys are just going to continue to get hurt. All this legislation's coming down. He's not saying anything. And again, 
I don't blame him for the DAs. I blame him. He has the second largest stage in the world, and he says it. He says it all the time. He brags about it all the time. So why are you not up there? I would if, if I'm the mayor, I'm going to have LePetri every morning. He's going to give a press conference every morning, and he's going to run through all of our arrests, and he's going to run through our whole profile, our whole profile ones. We're going to do a comp stat just on arrests. You're going to get a seven day, a twenty eight day, and you're going to see which ones got, which ones got DP'd, which ones got drawn up, where we are with the cases. I'm like, we have all that data, you know. So like that's. He's not doing any of that. He's not calling these DAs out. He's saying they're all partners and we're one and the same. So, again, I think he fails there. You know, I think I I, honestly, if I had to give him a grade, I mean, he came in under the lowest bar of anybody. I mean, to beat Bill de Blasio, I I think you could have did anything, bro. You could have just put like, I'm going to give everybody free ice cream for a day. Instead, he fires city workers. He's continuing this mandate. He's never one time articulated why, other than this is New York City. He, he's been getting a free pass in the media, and anytime the media gives him any shit like they did when he went away, he pulls back on that it's not fair, and he's going to try to throw the race bait, and it's because he's black. I mean, dude, you, you won an overwhelming majority. Like you, Nobody cares that you're black. It's part of the reason that you you got elected. Part of that reason, so like it's not it's not a knock on you anymore. It's a, you know what I mean. So it's like you can't say that's a knock that I'm black. Like people are like, oh, we, you know, we want a diverse city. Like we've had black mayors in the city before. So this isn't like it isn't it was in this big racist city. He comes in blaming everything on white supremacy. Um, he was he tried to hire his brother. All of his appointments have been his friends, which is fine, but they're not people that are qualified. You know, we're seeing a lot of things going on with these contracts that are wrong, that are questionable, that he's just doesn't answer questions, doesn't answer questions about anything. I mean, honestly, if I got to grade the guy his first year, all I could say is I, I don't give him a grade because all I could say is that he surpassed Bill de Blasio's eight years in his first year. I honestly think he is the worst mayor New York City ever had in one year. And I think that he came in in the most opportune time where if he would have just truly cared and truly wanted to change the city, I think we'd be talking about him running for the president of the United States right now. But he's done absolutely less than nothing other than funnel money out of New York City. I haven't seen him do one thing and chase good people out and continue to do it. So, I mean, to me, I think he's a complete failure. I hope he does better in 23, but I don't see it. You're, you're so right. I mean, the city was at rock bottom. I mean, I don't think we get any lower when he got into office. So this was a great opportunity. Anything he would have done, if, I mean, his slogan is get stuff done. If he actually got something done, anything, immediately, I mean, all eyes would be on him. The entire country be like, wow, this guy is actually going to turn around New York City. I mean, anything. And I say, I, 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 I'm a firm believer he should have started with Times Square. You said it. It's crossroads of the world. That should have been the starting point. We got to get the tourists back to the city, right? There's the correlation. Crime and the finances of this city. This, this city's headed for bankruptcy, right? It's total disaster. That would have been the place to start. Start in Times Square and work your way up. How do I get the tourists back here? How do I get the money back here? How do I get New York City 
Times Square era, era looking like the vision that Giuliani had and that Bloomberg continued. How do I get Times Square back to that? And then let's work our way out. But I think, honestly, the only focus was on minority neighborhoods. We need to focus on the entire city. This city's a melting pot. There's crime in all neighborhoods. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. Like, right, we may need to police uh, the South Bronx differently than we do in Queens. We may need to police differently in Times Square because of the way it's being occupied, the way it runs. Some are industrial, some areas are residential. The way we police it has nothing to do with who lives there. It has nothing to do with their race. But how we police an area is important. You should have started with Times Square. And he had more focus on uh, a gun-free zone for illegal gun owners than targeting illegal firearm owners or, or illegal, uh, you know, those that are in possession of illegal firearms who are going to use that firearm illegally. That, that should have been the target right there. And it, the target should have been how do we create the nexus again between the police department and corrections? Because we need to put people in jail. I remember laughing. I mean, I was watching that summit when Biden was at one police plaza. And they talked about all these social programs. And they talked about the arrests that they were making. But they never talked about anyone going to jail. I said, this is laughable. Is anybody else watching this scene what I'm seeing? That's great. We're going to arrest all these people? Great. But nobody's going to jail? So these violence interrupters are going to talk to people, but no one's going to jail? That's the way we solve it. And that's why I said again. People have lost the image of what is a good cop. A good cop is not someone that goes out and gives ice cream. That's a good gesture. But a good cop makes arrests. Arrest is what curbs crime because that is the key to gathering information and gathering intelligence. More information intelligence leads to more arrest. Arrest is what gets us the vital information to curb crime in the street. We start with intrusive police work. We can't just address major crime because if we address major crimes, that means it's too late. So I have put a Twitter quote on. I said, listen, if you work for someone, you're in some type of business, you get an evaluation annually. And if you had to rate Mayor Adams, how would you rate him? And you know what I would say? Complete failure. Epic fail. I'm sorry. I wanted to give the guy an opportunity. I gave him the benefit of that. I said, you know what? I don't believe he was a great cop. I think he was a zero based on the record I've heard and what I've read. But I'll give him an opportunity, okay? Maybe maybe he was a good coach. Maybe he wasn't a good player, but maybe he was a good coach. So I would get, I gave him the benefit of that. But guess what? Epic fail. So here, all he can do now is improve. Completely, epic fail needs improvement. Yeah, no, I got I got it. And, and, and you know, like, just to piggyback on what you said, he always says public safety well, he used to say it. He stopped saying it. He was saying it like his first six months. But he used to say public safety is the key to prosperity. And it's such a true statement, right? But he had, but he clearly has no plan on public safety. So like, he, what he's saying is if the streets are clean, tourism will be there. Businesses will come in. City will flourish, right? Boom, boom, boom. There's no public safety. So guess what? We're not. So if we're not putting the key in, and he's seeing it, I mean, you know, I, I, what what really is New York City going to be under him? I mean, we're bleeding out money like crazy. We're bleeding money right. like crazy. Um, you said you said boom, boom, boom. That's the only boom, boom, boom we hear is gunshots. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> That's all we got. 
Yeah, it's 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 scary, you know. And then again, like I said, he he endorsed Holchel. She vetoed all these bills that you guys like would have prospered from tier three guys, tier two guys, uh, EMS workers, uh, sheriff's offices in in upstate New York, New York State PBA, um, all these people, right? PBA backdoors her money, and it actually passes. In, a, in a, an assembly and a Senate that's mainly progressive, these bills pass, like, overwhelmingly. All of these, like, you know, they want to expand the heart bill for, like, the New York State PBA. They want to do all this other stuff. She vetoes every bill, including the bills for the NYPD, which would have, uh, which would have, it wouldn't have brought you guys to tier two, but it would have, it would have made it a little closer. Like, they, I forget exactly what, what the language in the bill was. But uh, but she vetoes everything. He doesn't have a word to say about it. He doesn't care. You know, he calls on... the pension loans. What? Oh, the pension they got loans. The pensions. Oh, yeah, the pension loans. That, yeah, that's what it was. The pension loans. Um, that's exactly what it was. It was the pension loans. He he doesn't say a word about it, right? But he calls on Albany for everything, right? It's Albany's fault that the guns are there. It's Albany's fault that. The uh that bail reform is. It's Albany's fault that crime's up. It's Albany's fault that they don't have funding for the immigrants, right? All the stuff that he implemented, it's everybody else's fault but his. But when it comes to protecting you guys, he can never break rank politically. And he won't. He won't because he's a politician through and through. John, you and I had spoke about the pension numerous times. And this is the message I've been trying to get out to the cops. And you know what? Now you see that we've been telling you the truth, all right? It's not a ha-ha gotcha moment. I care about you. I want you to get everything that, that you deserve. If you are you have a tier three pension, you are not allowed to take pension loans. You know, I've heard cops tell me throughout their careers, John, you and I even talked about it. Ah, but they all they've ever heard was, don't ever take a pension loan. It's the worst thing. Really? If you don't know anything about finances, you have to ask yourself, why did some potential bill go up to the governor's desk for you to get a pension loan? If it was so personalized, your pension, if you really think that your pension's that personalized and you it was vetoed for the benefit of the city because the, if we need to have a funding plan, now you have to ask yourself, if you don't be fooled. If you don't know anything about economics, I'm telling you, contact John and I. We'll sit down and I'll, I'll actually explain this to you in, in further detail how your pension works. But the pension system is a Ponzi scheme. Your pension is being utilized to fund other things. So don't be a fool to that. That's why you can't take pension loans. Now, I understand. Yes, I wouldn't, if I was a tier two guy, I wouldn't go out and take a pension loan because I want to go buy a brand new car or so I can hook up with a hot blonde. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are good opportunities. If you could take a pension loan and get yourself an investment on some real estate properties and your return is going to be 15% versus the 8% you're getting, well, that's a great benefit. And there are other benefits. But here, tier, tier three personnel, you don't even have that option. You don't have a contract right now. You're six years behind a contract. You probably have credit card debt. And you had an opportunity to potentially get a pension loan to pay off that credit card debt to help you in your life. But you didn't get that opportunity. So you have to ask yourself, do you have any friends in Albany? Guess what? You don't even have any friends in your own city because the mayor who claims that he was a cop didn't help you, didn't help you get that pension loan, that pension loan that you needed. Yeah, 
Oh, I, I mean, listen, you know, like I, I think we had the conversation offline. I went, I went to pension loans. It may be worth it. It may not be worth it, depending on what you need the money for, like Eric's saying. But you could only take a pension loan what you put in, right? So that's your money. So, I mean, and they're saying you can't even take that. Like, so it's not like you could pull $100,000 if you only have 20000 in there. No, you could only pull, I think you could pull up to like 90% of what you have in there or whatever. So if you had $100,000, you could take probably 87 or whatever, you know? But like now they're not letting you take it. And Eric's right. It is a Ponzi scheme. And guess what? what's happening with this as we're not replacing anyone? You know, we I know we just got, I think they said 600 cops. We just got them. But for 2022, you got zero. You lost 1,200 new guys under five years to resignations. You lost over 4,000 in retirements, like 5,000. Now now we're starting the new year with 600. How many of them are going to make it? I don't know. I don't know. I think think you're going to see a mass exodus today. I'm sure you're going to have tons of retirements coming down this month. You're going to have tons of retirements again in in July. That's going to happen all the way up until 2028. I'm scared. Like I am. I'm scared. And I left the city. I left the city over three hundred thousand dollars. And now I'm like, ah, I'm like, because I wanted, I wanted a higher payment. Now I'm like, damn, I should have took that money, you know? Because I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm like, believe me, I, I, if anyone doesn't want it to fail, it's this guy right here, um, <laughs> you know. Well, um, that's my advice. My advice: if you're tier two personnel out there right now, if you're close to retirement, my advice to you is take the pension loan. Before you retire. I'll tell you why. You can take the pension loan at a non-taxable rate. And if you decide, like I said, you can use your tax-free money, you can call computations, and you can have that pension loan wiped out. But if you decide to pay it back, every time you pay back that pension loan on your bi-weekly paycheck, you're now giving yourself tax-free money. So a lot of people don't know that. And you're actually putting the money back in. But when you retire, when you take that money, it is a pension loan. The only difference is you're not paying it back. So you can never put that back. You will see the difference after 12 years. I say this. Here's my recommendation. Tier 2, take the money. In 12 years from now, it's not going to make a difference at all because you're going to face inflation anyway. We don't know what's going to happen in 12 years. We don't even know what's going to happen with that pension. Take the money. If you're that scared, take the money and then put it in something else. But guess what? It's not your money. And God forbid, I don't want this to happen to you. But God forbid you kick the bucket, your wife, your kids can get that money. If it's in your pension, they're not getting it. So at least once you take it, it's now your money. I'll prove it to you. And here's how I'm going to prove it to you. For my cops that listen out there. If I had, if I was given the option right now, okay, they said to me, listen, you can have the same pension when you retire. I'm going to give you a fictitious number. Rhetorically speaking, let's say you, you can come home with $10,000 a month. But one is the pension and one is from the 457. Which one are you picking, John? Well, the tax-free one I'm taking. I mean, I'm going to take go with the pension, I'm, right? I'm going with the 457. Why? Because that's my money. I can do anything, whatever I want with it. God forbid I kick the bucket. My wife, my kids can get it. I can move it around. I could, that's my money. And it's not going anywhere. The pension is not guaranteed. If the city, the state goes to complete ruins and disaster, we don't know if you'll still have the pension. It's not a guarantee. 
Don't be a fool to believe it is. Your 457, that is a guarantee. So I would go with the 457. So my point is, right now, for the tier three guys out there right now, yes, the pay system is not the same. Start banking on the 457, the 401k. Put your money there. Make that your number one investment. Yeah. No, I, I mean, they have no choice. Tier three has no choice. You know, tier two... You know, tier two, I'll still go back and forth on, and I don't want to have an eight-hour discussion on the on the pension. It depends. It depends the situation, but yes, if the city goes bankrupt or you die, you're fucked, a hundred percent. You don't live those twelve years, you're fucked. You know, hundred percent. I agree with that. So let's just end off on Adams. Last thing on on Eric Adams, I put a, a poll out there. It has three hundred sixty-eight votes. Um. I said, how would you rate New York City Mayor Eric Adams' first year, 2022, as mayor? Feel free to explain your, your votes in the comments. So 1% of the 368 votes says he exceeds standards. 5% says he meets standards. 94% says he's below standards. Um, you know, there's there's cops in there. There's reporters in there. There's civilians in there. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think he's doing a terrible job. I think I think we beat him up enough for for tonight. You got you got anything you want to end on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I was your boss and I was doing your evaluation right now, epic fail. Like I said before, everything you get needs improvement. You said you get stuff done. I haven't seen it. It's a, it's unfortunate, but only within the police department. And I guess apparently New York City Mayor, you could you only have to start things. You don't actually have to finish them. You start a lot of stuff. But he hasn't finished anything. Right. The violence interrupters, epic fail. The neighborhood safety teams, needs improvement. I mean, we need anti-crime team backs. And listen, how we can completely prove it is get CCRB off these guys' backs. Let them do the job. Body cameras, let's start giving them the benefit of the doubt. Why don't you start screaming in the DA's ear saying, listen, this is absolutely ridiculous, okay? We have a minute buffer on these body cameras for a reason. Okay, if the if the body camera is activated when the police officer grabs someone and it catches one minute before, why is it? Why is that a problem? All I hear is this terminology, terminology, dashboard to dashboard. So the cop has to worry, uh, not worry about his tactics, but worry about that the body camera is on first. Something ridiculous. Epic fail. That's what I say. Zero. Absolutely. And get stuff done is the stupidest fucking slogan I ever heard in my life. I don't even know what stuff you're getting done. Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> Stupid. I thought that I would use when I was like 10. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what do you get what do you get stuff done? It's pretty funny. Yeah. So guys, listen, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to our telegram, subscribe to our rumble. Cause like I said, you know, we get a lot of hate, so I don't know how long they'll keep us up on YouTube. You know, keep it on YouTube, and, you know, we're out. We're on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen on, on the audio version. You know, we appreciate all the support. We appreciate you guys coming in. We got a lot more stuff coming down the pipeline uh, that I'm excited about, and I think you guys a, a lot of good stuff. So uh, so I appreciate appreciate you guys listening, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back on soon. Outstanding.